and is only suitable for people aged 18 or over will almost certainly have an adult theme and might well contain sex or violence which are quite graphic. It may also contain explicit language, including sexual swear words. Thanks for listening. Yeah, my mom My mom said she'd listen to an, our Halloween episode. Huh. She's like, me and your dad were listening to it, and I had to turn it off. You say fuck way too many times. <laughs> she didn't say it like that. She didn't say I say fuck way. I added that part in. Uh, but here's what his revelation comes to him. He's kind of got all this stuff, like... Uh, Touching, wiping, mourning of the animals. Not wiping, whipping. whipping. Yeah. <laughs> also, yeah, not torture. Touch, also not touching. I am, I am dyslexic. I, I hope I'm not having like, a stroke. Do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! And an atheist almost always becomes supporters of eugenics and abortion. A swine is hungry for nuts. Jesus hates him too. Satan is real. Being a Satanist is an open declaration of revolt against counterproductive received wisdom and mindless rogue traditions. Decapitate her head off. We're done. You're done. Obama! Welcome to the Godless Revolution. Today is Monday, November 7th. I'm Dan Ellis in studio with, once again, yeah. the lovely Mr. Duffy. Oh, thank you. With no longer a porn stash and new new eyewear. Yeah, I had to get rid of the porn stash. It was too uh, itchy and rapey looking. Rapey looking for sure. I expected, I expected but I didn't that trump when, anyone. So I expected so. that when I saw you at the door, when I answered the door and you had the porn stash, I looked over your shoulder to see if you had actually bought the rape <laughs> van to accompany the mustache. Well, it was supposed to be a camera van, not a, a like a serial killer rape van. Well, so. f- full of cameras to to film your snuff porn. You got to have cameras for snuff porn. <laughs> oh, that's funny. We are once again this week without. Mr. Matthew. Still trying to get educated. Yeah. Apparently that's going well for him. Yeah. Uh, but we are joined in studio tonight by Mr. Mithrin. Hello, from, everybody. From the Reddit. I don't, I don't, I, I read stuff on Reddit when people will send me links and stuff, but I still don't quite understand it. Like it's, it's this foreign thing to me. It's okay. It's kind of like a BBS. It's a little bit like yeah. weird and esoteric, and I kind of grew up in that culture. So I think it's it appeals to people who um, like to read very plain text with no fanciness and cats. That's kind of your market <laughs> right there. <laughs> and you are one of the moderators for and a fairly prolific poster on the R. Is it X Mormon? Yeah, the X Mormon subreddit. I actually started. Uh, this is kind of a good place to to even begin. So okay. I. I just uh, had notes. I was working a job at an airline, and if you know anything about airlines, uh, everyone has two jobs. They uh, sell Tupperware, they make jewelry, and I was living out of my in-laws' house, so I had lots of time. So I decided my second job was to answer some of those questions I had on my mission. So these are uh, like second jobs, like people in L.A. are actors and waitresses. Exactly, yeah. exactly <laughs> like that, except for these are like people who do all the marketing metrics for an airline and sell Tupperware to uh-huh. everyone who sits uh-huh. next to them. Um, but I would answer some of these questions, and so I started to uh, – I collected three years of notes, and at some point I wanted to collect them somewhere, so I just started to post them on the Mormon subreddit, and like no one cared, and so I posted them on the LDS one, and they all said, you're an anti-Mormon. <laughs> 
And I was like, uh, I don't think so. I teach Elders Quorum every week. And then I also posted on the X-Mormon subreddit, and people there would say, that's great. Did you also know this? And I could get through the notes faster and find more. So I started to post more and more there until eventually uh, I, that's my kind of my main stomping ground these days. So there you go. That's kind of how, how I ended up on Reddit. Uh, actually, uh, it's BYU connecting. Um, there was a, uh, guy who came and spoke at the BYU alumni group and he said, he was a CEO of some company. He said, you know, I've just been from this investment firm. We do this venture capital thing. And there's a few things I think are going to be big. One of them is this thing called Bluetooth. You should look into that. I think it's going to be big someday. Blackberries look uh, the like Danes they're going to be. are on something with the Bluetooth. That's right. Blackberries. I'm really digging my Blackberry. And I read something on Reddit. And so I went went back to the office and pulled up Reddit. And the rest, as they guess, as they say, is history. So it was part of the venture capital time before they split out to the multiple subreddits. Okay. And my original name is no longer used. Um, so, because uh, it was all pro LDS stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. There's there's a little history. So what was your what was your original name? Uh, we, we won't go For there because because it's <laughs> well. tied to all sorts of other things that we will not discuss. Uh, <laughs> I see. It sounds like a fun rabbit hole to go down, it, though. It probably is. You could probably find out my high score at like Minesweeper from that <laughs> username because it was pretty much everything online for a very long time. Oh, okay, and then. Uh, when I was working for a company and we had a little bit of internal trouble, which involved federal agents and things like that, and uh, we came up to Utah. Was this was one like, of Utah's famous MLMs? No, this was this oh. was down in Texas, and they were legitimately uh, doing some some very questionable things with the federal government. And uh, we came back up to Utah, and I decided I needed a new online name. So you weren't in the Branch Davidian, were you? No, but we oh, were, okay. they were down there while I was down there. And we oh. actually went and drove by the compound and saw the concrete, and I had this strong impression, because I was a very believing member at the time, that they were going to be raided by the federal government, and I should go like warn them like Samuel <laughs> the Lamanite up on the wall. And I didn't heed that, and the government came in and got them, so I guess I, I failed uh, well, at that calling. I think that was very predictable, being with the kind of people they were. I, well, they did build the thing to take bullets. I yeah. don't think it was a, a big leap of faith to believe that they right. were doing something the government would eventually like These people are building on. a castle to hold themselves inside yeah. of it. Something's up here. A yeah. fortress, yeah. 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 So uh, what was I saying right before that? You came back up to Salt Lake. And I looked at the textbook next to me, uh, and the guy's name was actually Mithrin. And I was Uh like, that's the most awesome name ever. I'm going to use that online until I can use my old one because all that stuff is done. And it's just – it's stuck. So there you go. There's the the founding of Mithrin. Uh So you were previously a true-believing Mormon. Absolutely. You were all in. All in. I was uh, LDS mission to Sweden. Um, Still Fort Veranda Kamprata Svenska. And I still keep up with those guys uh, over there. Excuse you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> That's the Swedish I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was Elders Quorum president twice. I was Elders Quorum instructor for seven and a half years. My father uh, wanted us all to become um, – to work with FAIR if we were like lesser and the Maxwell Institute if we really did it right. And FAIR is the – FAIR Mormon is the apologist that, that can't publish an actual – um, scientific journals, anything that doesn't quite make it to that level gets published online by them. What does FAIR is an acronym for something, right? I can't remember. It is, what but it, I don't what it remember. Because it's a stretch. But it's, it's a Mormon apologist website, basically, or yeah. group. Yeah. 
Um, you know, Hugh Nibley was a friend of the family. Um, he was supposed to be at my oldest daughter's like baby blessing. Uh, but he was, this was way late before, just before he died and he couldn't find the door he, or he found it and it was locked. And so he just wandered home. He wasn't all the way coherent, but it was, uh, but still a, still a leading member of the church. That's right. That's right. And, and still revealing new things all the time, which I thought a fascinating combination once you actually knew him that he was not able to find a door, but was still publishing. <laughs> Polydent is the best denture adhesive in the world, so saith the Lord. And they used it in ancient Egypt. Uh, <laughs> Isis. She was a big fan. Anyway, um, so there's a – yeah, so uh, my sister was supposed to be an archaeologist, and after a year of studying to, to please dad, she's like, I hate this. I am huh? not doing this anymore. I was like, what do you want to do? And she became a uh, – she works at junior highs teaching home ec and has been happy ever since. Um, but anyway, you'd like, if you wanted time with dad, you, you studied Cortez's journal. Um, you talked about how Nephite cities and, and Chitsunitsa and, and, uh, that probably massacred the name there. Dad would, would hate it. But, uh, <laughs> so anyway, we we're all headed for that sort of goal. And so I put lots and lots of hours. I decided I was going to do modern church history because other cool. children had taken either New Testament and Greek, mm. uh, or, uh, Book of Mormon lands or whatever. This was going to be my niche was, was the, Joseph Smith. The one people weren't doing. That's right. And, and I wondered why no one did. And then I ended up out doing this. So that kind of says an awful lot, I think. I, th- I think it's that so many people start out thinking, why is nobody doing this? And then they start learning more and more and more and going, oh, fuck it. Now I'm out of the church. Damn it. <laughs> pretty close. I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's pretty much what happened. So, so what do you do? What do you do on the ex Mormon? Reddit group? Uh, well, so I'm a moderator right now, um, and I was a moderator before, and, and I never wanted to be a moderator, uh, but one day they just kind of made me one, and I was like, okay, I guess that's what I'll do. And pretty much everyone hates moderators, right? They're just the people who tell uh, you to yeah. stop saying things, and so I get a lot of hate from that. But uh, my the biggest things I'm probably known for, um, I have a blog called exploringmormonism.com and I've posted on there my best timelines but I started doing timelines that was the the thing that got me going uh, that I never see anyone do and I really want if anyone out there is really creative I'd love to be able to lay one timeline over the other because I think it really tells Uh a lot of stories I think the whole history channel could use it as well as any number of, of schools. But when it comes to Mormon history, being able to take like what Joe's or what the, the, the official church story is and then line up actual events, I think it suddenly tells a whole different story. Yeah. So I just started to compile those things just to try to understand it as I was going through my own study. And uh, things start falling apart really fast. You start to notice that they are changing <laughs> dates. They are uh, hiding details. They'll put one thing before another in the lesson manual. And there's one day I was preparing uh, a lesson. This is a little off topic, but it's fun. Uh, in the Brigham Young Manual for Elders Quorum. And I looked at the quote and it said um, something along the lines of, I don't, I don't remember the exact quote, but uh, uh, eternal marriage is dot, 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 it, essential for our salvation. I was like, anti-Mormons do the ellipses thing, the dot, dot, dot. What's the actual quote? So I went into the – they had a source at the bottom and it was Deseret News, 1977. I'm like, Brigham Young said nothing in 1977. He was dead. So then I looked that one up and it had a link to the – what was the name of it? One of the manuals anyway from 1976. I'm like, no, he didn't say anything in 1976 either. (laughs) More or less, I mean, it was Mormon, so darn it, I'm going to the internet. 
typed in the quote into Google exactly as they had it. It pops up and it said, eternal marriage, which is polygamy, is essential Uh, for eternal life. uh, And I'm like... Okay, whoever did that knew. They, they, this was not an accidental, we cut yeah. out a piece. This was, and that was this really was, the, the word polygamy needs to be replaced with ellipses because otherwise people might freak <gasps> out. Yeah. No! Yeah, and that was, that was the beginning of the end of my, cause I started to look into all the ellipses and that uh. is a very, that's, so, uh, for so a while. A- that's a very common thing they do then, I'm yeah. guessing, is instead of being like, oh, no, that doctrine hasn't changed, we just ellipses the words. Exactly. So there was uh, <laughs> something that, Dan, that's where you found me. Um, I was doing a nutty Mormon history that was all based around things I had found while looking at ellipses <laughs> and uh, all the crazy <laughs> stories that come pouring out of of – the stuff that's in the current manuals that just is hidden by ellipses, things from um, Lorenzo Snow's uh, visit in the temple. I don't know if you've – I don't no, know. No. Do you want to just go into crazy? Let's go into crazy. Yes. Well, Let's give people crazy. Well, and real quick, so you mentioned that that's where I found you and, and just so yeah. people know our history a little bit, uh, back when I was serving as president for Atheists of Utah, uh, we had you come and speak at one of our brunches Yeah. at – what the hell was the name of that bar? Sizzler? I think. Oh, Legends. Legends. Yes, like, Legends. Sizzler's not a down, bar. Down by Broovies. Yeah, the sports bar next to Broovies. And that was a great time, man. I, I had a really good time just hearing all of this wacky shit from the LDS church. Like, I knew or know a lot of wacky shit about the LDS church, but some of the things you were presenting, I was just like, holy shit. <laughs> like, I knew, I knew that, and I know that it's fucking out there crazy but yeah some of the things you were telling us i was like holy shit so so we had a game on reddit i guess this is really where where things started for like being famous on the ex-mormon subreddit where i said okay you find the craziest most batshit thing that you have ever heard and i will provide the general authority source for it (laughs) <laughs> and and to this date, we've done it three times, and I've only had one that was not actually sourced from a general authority. So really, uh, there's an awful lot of crazy out there. But uh, and it was it was tons of fun, and so that's where a lot of, of again those sorts of things started. But uh, so Lorenzo Snow, there's a famous story, and, and the first time I heard it was in seminary. Again, I try to go with all my sources from LDS sources. I'm not going yeah. anywhere outside. I, I, I do a little bit if you have to, because sometimes they will have nixed someone who was legitimately in the church. Um, but I try to go as much as I can with legitimate sources. So, so who is Lorenzo Snow? Lorenzo Snow. Or who was Lorenzo Snow? Was the uh, the fifth prophet. He's uh, of the, okay. the LDS church. He had the big, long beard, and he instituted tithing. Ah. And uh, in seminary, there was someone who said, uh, the, or the seminary teacher said, um, you know, people ask where... Jesus stood when Lorenzo Snow saw him in the temple. I was in the St. George Temple, and the temple person said he stood many places in the St. George Temple. I'm like, that's kind of a weird thing to bring up. What do you mean when Jesus stood in the temple? Like, So I looked that up, and it turns out that when uh, Wilford Woodruff died, and there's a whole band of, band of crazy around Wilford Woodruff's death, um, but when Wilford Woodruff died, Lorenzo Snow was panicked because the church is deep in debt, and it's okay. deep in debt into banks in the Far East, um, mostly because uh, they believed that the world was going to end in 1890, and so they took out loans like the world was going to end in 1890. <laughs> 
1990. Well, it is the Church of Latter-day, <laughs> Latter-day Saints. Saints. Yeah, right. it's, it's it, it stands to reason. And Joseph had given the little prophecy in the Doctrine and Covenants that if you live to be 80, and they had taken that very literally um, for a good long while. And there's some memos going back and forth um, that I've I've seen where they are talking about, you know, well, go ahead and get the finances. We'll we'll basically just like Egypt leaving uh, or the children of Israel leaving Egypt and borrowing gold from all of their neighbors um, that they were taking out giant loans for the same sort of idea. Yeah. The world's going to end. You might as well. Well, they were all coming <laughs> due and uh, and the prophet's dead. Um, and, and so he goes to the temple to ask what should happen with his granddaughter. And his granddaughter is the one that gives us the story. And uh, he goes and he tries to, to pray in the Holy of Holies and Jesus doesn't appear. So as he's coming back, Jesus appears in the hallway. Uh-huh. And that's that he was, was just late. He, yeah, that's right. It was uh, he's running late. He's running down the hallway. He had a sandwich. He was just, you know, <laughs> what do you do? Um, anyway, so and he gets the, the word that he needs to become the president of the church right away. And he goes and uh-huh. tells his granddaughter, you should do that. Well, there's a family story that goes along with this that they don't quote in any of the manuals because you can find that whole story in the Ensign, which is the church magazine. You can find it all sorts of places. But uh, the rest of the story is that uh, Jesus tells him there's no longer a presiding high priest on the earth uh, because they've given up on polygamy because this is the oh, okay. whole time when Wilfred Woodruff, the second manifesto, we're not going to do polygamy anymore. Yeah. And until polygamy was restored. We want to be a state yeah, in the all union. All those so, things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he, uh, he, he apparently Jesus couldn't show up. He was barred from his own house, had to show up in the hallway to say, you got to run things, but you got to bring polygamy back. And we all know that that happened immediately because, oh wait, wait, wait. Uh, Jesus uh, couldn't go somewhere like the, the son of God unless, in his own house. Unless your church has multiple wives per man. He's just can't enter the, through the doors. See, it's rough. This is um, one of the things that I, I've mentioned previously. I love to get. Some of my LDS friends or coworkers to argue different points of LDS. Like they're all LDS, and I like to get them arguing points of LDS doctrine among themselves. Yeah, that's like I fucking love that. It's one of my highlights. It's one of the highlights of my day. Anytime I can do it, and yeah, I had I had coworkers one time arguing over whether or not the Holy Ghost can enter a strip club. I'm. <laughs> we have a guy on the ex-Mormon subreddit that goes by the name The Holy Spook. And whenever anyone mentions the Holy Ghost, he posts this meme over and over again. It's this British lord with a monocle, and it reads, The Holy Ghost is like an 18th century aristocrat saying, I'm so offended and tottering off at every time something happens. Anyway, he posts that every time. He's just the stalwart uh, but now I think of that whenever someone says the Holy Ghost couldn't be there. Yeah. Oh, golly me. And off he goes. Uh, so the uh, Wilford Woodruff, let's go a little bit into that. This will be a fun one. I'd love okay. you to bring this up with all of your Mormon friends. Okay. Uh, and just say, now, I want to know what Wilford Woodruff has to do with the Bohemian Grove. Got that? Now, the Bohemian Grove, if you don't know. I don't it's, know. It's, this is a group that gets together. They're – they. And they got together back in the 1800s. They have a whole bunch of like artists and performers, mm-hmm. and they have a whole bunch of political and rich men. It's more political nowadays, isn't it? Considered or a bunch of bohemians. They still go get a whole bunch of bohemians okay, okay. and bring them in, and they do this uh, hijinks and low jinks plays. They burn Karen effigy, and they have yeah. a giant owl statue. Yeah. Well, this all started playing a bunch of grab ass. 
They, and, and Richard Nixon was invited and he went and he's his quote. You can find this on YouTube is that it is the faggotiest thing I have ever been to. That was his his opinion. And he never went back. Uh, Bill Clinton was invited to go yeah. to this. And he was, he said uh, or no, Bill Clinton said, don't don't insult me. They would never invite me to something like that. Um, so anyway, it's a very. There's well anyway. Um so this was started uh in 1893 I want to say and uh this is just before Wilfred Woodward no 1890 and Wilfred Woodward dies in 1893 I think. Um so anyway um so you talk about Utah becoming a state. Mm-hmm. The individual who helped Utah become a state that was the big lobbyist was a member of this Bohemian Society. Oh, okay. And he invited, as part of the thank you for all the contributions the church made, Wilford Woodruff to come and speak on his 80th birthday. So Wilford Woodruff, he's kind of got a, a bad health system and they decide that the good air will be good for him. So he rides from Utah to San Francisco, California for good air. Think about that. Uh, different, different era. And, uh, and he speaks on, uh, Monday and by Thursday he's dead. Ah. So. That's some good air. Uh, but I looked up, I mean, I wanted to know this whole Karen effigy, was that all going on during, like, because I'm a believing member, I'm thinking, didn't God tell him these guys are kind of weird? <laughs> kind of weird. And and it they were doing that for five years before, three years before uh, it was going on. But now they just and it's the only time they ever have an 80 year old come speak. I was like, is that a normal thing? They had given octogenarian award away every year. <laughs> no, only time he shows up, he gives the speech, and uh, and like I said, he's dead a few days later. Uh, you know, he wasn't. He was in bad health. As said, um, I looked way in to see if there was some sort of poisoning. Was it possible? And all the banks that were there and part of it were not the banks out east that they were owing money to. I couldn't find any connection. But anyway, kind of a weird thing. He was part yeah. of a bohemian society that goes out and dances and puts on women's clothing to, with politicians. <laughs> there you go. Weird shit. Well, I've heard that that place is very secretive, too. Like, even when they're not having their get-together, the place is, like, locked down. You can't get in. Like, I've seen people go, trying to sneak in and get photos of the giant the giant owl. owl and stuff and of the grounds and people have gotten photos but have also gotten arrested and taken away by trying to get into this, this place. This is all completely new to me. I have not heard any of this. They're kind or if of, I have I've I've wiped it from my memory somehow. <laughs> they're one of those like cons- fringe conspiracy theory things who are actually kind of truth kind of people like oh it's the Bilderbergs that are doing this and uh, Illuminati type thing. It's, skull and bones kind of shit. Yeah. Or... It's a it's all connected. It's all. I mean, George yeah. George W. Bush that was part of the Skull and Bones and had his the first thing we have on George W. Bush. This is not terribly Mormon related, but <laughs> is a uh, news article of him getting uh, the Skull and Bones tattoo or uh, branded on his bum. That is the first he shows up on any newspaper anywhere. Anyway, he was both at Skull and Bones and was part of the Bohemian Grove. So I guess there's some giant connections, yeah. but I don't know. Hmm. The point is the Mormon Church was not terribly connected, but Wilford Woodruff was when? definitely there and spoke and wore women's <clears throat> clothes. And was so shocked by what he saw that he died. one of the faggotiest events I've ever been to. (laughs) (laughs) I am not a crook. Yeah, no, totally. Uh, 
So, um, oh, uh, I guess another thing we should we should mention. I do tours of the Utah Daughters of Pioneers Museum uh-huh. uh, up here by the Capitol building. It is a great building. If anyone has an inkling to go and see some really weird Mormon shit, there are some how, very uh, awesome things How do there. they feel about you doing those tours? So, uh, they are not correlated. They don't, okay. don't fall under the correlation committee. These are actual families that wanted to preserve the true stories of the pioneers. So that's okay. why they have these weird items. So among the items that I love to point out, there is uh, Brigham Young's bloodstone amulet that he wore for protection. If you ever played D&D, he was right up there with you. He loved to LARP, man. He would <laughs> he would put this thing on whenever he was going into a dangerous area, and, and it's just there that you can see it. Um, so that's how he got into the strip clubs. I think he got in the strip clubs because of his manly beard. Okay. I really think that was the secret. <laughs> but that, that stone well, gave him the protection against... Yeah, yeah. I can Any attest to the benefits of having on. a manly beard. It, <laughs> it, it gets you places, man. <laughs> That's right. Uh, there's the uh, the death canes, which is one of my favorite things. So when I was a boy, uh, around the kitchen table, I learned about the death canes, and I wanted to know more. That was I that have really never heard me. of this. The death canes? Death cane. Walking sticks. So okay. when Joseph Smith died, they brought him and Hiram back in this oak um What's the word I'm looking for? Wagon. Box. Oh, okay. wagon. And they, when they brought him back, they cut up the wagon and they made um, oak sticks out of it. And when they made the death mask of Hiram and uh, Joseph, it pulled out some hair. So they took the hair and they braided it and put it in the top of the sticks with a little glass window. So you could see that these were legit Joseph and Hiram braided core, three oh, foot, Ollivander wands. <laughs> and these things have magical abilities. They, ah. I was going to say, it sounds like something from fucking Harry Potter. Yeah, it's straight. I mean, anyway, they, uh, they heal people. They, they, you put them under your head and they take away bad dreams at night. Ah. And there were 12 of these and they were given to Emma to give to whoever she thought was most worthy. And Brigham gets one, which tells you they weren't on such bad terms back then. <laughs> uh, and, and Joseph Smith's bodyguard got one. And, uh, but they have one on display there where you can go and actually see the, the, and it's got the whole description and I've got a picture of it up on my blog, um, as well. Uh, what are some of the other just truly crazy so stuff? So w- w- where are the oh. other 11 then? Do they say, are they in the church as like the, the apostles have them to, you know, they're in the church have vault. good dreams. Yeah. So, so I've tracked down about five. So there's, there's one that's just labeled. There at the Utah Daughter yeah. Pioneers, there's an Emma's walking stick that looks exactly the same as the other one. And my guess is that's probably her death stick. Okay. Um, but they don't have it turned where you could see the window or not. Just don't know. Um, there is the Abraham Cannon family. They have one of the sticks, but then they have two of them. So they were only given one. And the family, uh, you know, there were two sons and one side of the family claims they have the illegitimate one. And the other side of the family claims they have the legitimate one, but only one of them is real. Someone uh, made a fake one of these mm. and both sides of the family says, well, ours cures everything. So this must be legitimate. <laughs> um, so there you go. Uh, there's one in the church history museum. So the church does own one. I don't know if they have any more. And then the one, the bodyguard has the family of the bodyguard that he donated, uh, Joseph Smith's saber. That he would march up and down the banks of the Missouri River when he was the uh, the what's the name major general of the Nauvoo Legion. Uh. Um, you can see it's a big sword. It, it sounds was, more like playing soldier by the water. It, They're very, into larping, man. 
A, there was a lot of I think they're still into LARPing to be honest if you look at priesthood session they're all first level clerics marching in together uh, but anyway his family kept the walking stick but donated the sword so okay um, there's also a picture of the first person paid his tithing to the church uh, wow. a little black boy by the name of Green Flake when he was 10 years old um, there was a, a woman uh, she lived out in California and, and she was having a hard time making ends meet. And so she decided, and this is pretty clever thinking if you think about it, that she could donate her slave and his efforts would be about worth what her tithing was. Ah. So she didn't need to pay tithing anymore if she just gave the slave to the church. <sighs> well, the church did not have a way to receive a person as property, but they were <laughs> teaching at the time that slavery was legitimate and, and ordained of God. So they uh, couldn't refuse him either. Well, it's yeah. all in the Bible, so. It, and Brigham was big on this. He yeah. cared that slaves were, were God-inspired property, <laughs> uh, having some of his own. So um, this this flake, flake boy, um, now I've said it was, he was 10 years old when he was given to the church. That's yeah. not right. I got that wrong. He was 10 years old when he was... He was given to the church later on, but the, okay. uh, the, he was a, he was an older gentleman because he was one of the drivers who drove um, Brigham Young in uh, on the wagon when he says, this is the place. The next uh. words he said were driver, drive on, and they were two black slaves. They leave that part out with the ellipses as well. That's, uh, but this uh, – so he gets donated to the, the church. Uh, they don't really have any way to, to deal with him, so he just like empties waste baskets for a couple of years and kind of putters around, and it's really awkward. Finally, the church just gives him his freedom, and they're like, "What do we do with the, you know?" So he gets he loves the church forever afterwards. He dies a faithful member. His family is still members wow. of the church, and they love that this is still there for for their grandfather. But the church would rather just you know get rid of that little piece. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the woman who donated him. Uh, wanted to know if he was keeping up his end of the bargain, whether her tithing was paid. So she Who donated come, him? That just sounds uh, so fucking horrible. <laughs> I'm just going to donate him a human. Yeah, this <laughs> woman who donated a poor black person so, to the church, and the church accepted but wasn't quite sure what to do with him. Yeah, so she's like, uh, is he still doing a good enough job? And they lie to her. They just openly say, no, he's doing fine. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, it's all fine great. here. He's, he's dead. <laughs> he's dead. <laughs> so uh, he's off doing being free, and, and they just tell her that he's still a slave to keep uh. her happy so they don't have to approach the question. It's just this very awkward all around. So there you go. There's some of the happy I mean, random. The church could have just told the lady, oh, God told us to free him. Sure. Sure, and she would have bought it because because she believes them. Yeah, but instead no. is like, oh shoot, shuffle feet. We don't want another one. Um, <laughs> we still have him. He's still doing good. Uh, we don't need a new model. <laughs> this model is working perfect. Yeah, yeah. If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections. For concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGI Podcast. Thanks, bitches. Maybe I shouldn't be telling you this, but there is a state where the marriage laws are a little looser. Utah. Utah? Home of America's most powerful weirdos? Our lives could be so wonderful there. In Provo, Utah? Why would I go to Utah? I love booze, caffeine, and monogamy. Gosh so, darn. <laughs> so heck. You you were you were totally in, went on a LDS mission, started learning more about the church. 
at what, like, was there, can you point to one specific thing and say, that was it, that was what broke my faith? I'm, I can't say one specific. There's, there's a couple of events that are pretty key though. Um, so I knew that the, uh, I was suspicious of the correlation committee and what they were doing with these ellipses, right? For a good long while, I'm still Elders Quorum instructor. I'm still teaching people, but I'm, I'm he- editing heavily the, the lessons. And the correlation committee is what exactly? Oh, um, so there is a committee. Uh, well, let's, let's, Let's do that. Let's go there. Um, once upon a time ago, there was this guy by the name of Harold B. Lee, and mm-hmm. he became prophet later on. But uh, this is the 1920s, and he is a budding, blossoming young LDS man, and he is called into a stake presidency, and there is a bunch of these weirdos who were still practicing polygamy. Oh. And his stake is in charge of getting rid of these guys. So he sits on the councils that helps excommunicate person oh. after person after person. I figured you were going to say execute. No, no deaths. Oh. That was earlier. That was earlier. <laughs> no Hosea Stout anymore. Um, so uh, after that, he is made stake president. And he uh, there, it's the Great Depression. It's 1929. And he decides that no one in his stake is going without a Christmas. And he really puts effort in to his credit. He gets gifts out to uh, everyone. He, they work like 80-hour weeks just on church stuff. It's an amazing story. Um, but he, he pulls it off and it comes to the attention of the brethren. And he has made a general authority to implement a welfare system. And that is still the welfare system of the church. The bishop's storehouse and all of that. All of that okay. is, is origin with his head. And while huh. he is there, he comes up with this idea – that we should standardize the manuals so we don't have any more of those weird, dangerous polygamists. That is his <laughs> – he wants to make sure that that the pure, holy, true are not led away by these filthy – now, what he didn't know was is that the people who were excommunicated in his area was uh, Matthew Crawley. He was an apostle and he was actually uh, given the sealing power to uh, – to to give polygamous marriages, um, and he believed <laughs> that he was doing it right. So he uh, anyway, that's a whole another story. <laughs> um, but he has this ingenious idea to standardize all the manuals, and as he, he puts together a committee to standardize all these manuals, and then um, back in the day, each section of the church made their money by selling magazines. That was the the central income, which is why you still have like the new era, the friend, the ensign. Uh, yeah. Every individual unit has it. And that was the primary income for the uh, the auxiliaries. Uh, and the Relief Society had one as well. Well, he says all of those magazines have to pass through his committee. And then he says the, 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 the key thing of our committee is priesthood. And the power of the priesthood. And this is where you get the uh, the Relief Society organization is eventually absorbed into the church and put under the first presidency. This is how he gets power over each and he brings it in and we get the solid block. And, and anyway, they're this group, um, the Correlation Committee. Their job is still to make sure that all the manuals are the same. And the way they did this um, – and you can read more about this if you want to know more in Damon Smith's uh, Book of Mammon. Um, they went into a room and they literally put 72 note cards up on the wall. And they said, this is what Mormonism is. Anything that is not this goes away. And this is why all the church lessons are boring. If you've ever wondered, <laughs> why is it so mind-numbingly dull? You have 70, 72. 72, and you can't vary from it. So anything like walking death sticks or yeah. magic amulets, that's all gone. And and polygamy was not one of the 72. So these are what it means to be a Mormon. He redefined it. Well, how is he able to do this uh, is the, the obvious question, right? Because there's prophets and apostles above yeah. him. Well, he had, he had 
was brought in at such a young age, everyone in the church knew he was going to be prophet forever because he was made an apostle at, uh, I want to say 45. I don't know if I've got that right, but very young. So he was going to be prophet for like 40 years. So everyone knew which side the the butter was, the bread was buttered on and they're going to, so they would do whatever he said. And he got a tremendous amount of power when he's finally made prophet. He actually dies just like a a year later from a heart attack. So they they put so much work in him. It's like, oh, we did it all for nothing. Such disappointment. <laughs> yeah. And, and we're seeing it again with Bednar. Bednar's very young. Everyone's mm-hmm. giving him tons of power. He's able to say just about anything and go anywhere. Uh, this is a side note that, uh, that we, sh- we, sh- everyone keep this a secret. Someone passed <laughs> me who, who works for the finances of the church a receipt that oh. had, uh, Bednar, uh, had turned in to get reimbursed and it was a brothel in, uh, Australia. If what? any, if anyone works for the church, I try not to spread these things, you know, without two sources. But if anyone happened to just took, take a look at what he's passing in, if you find a second one, I'd love to have two sources. Uh, <laughs> or if you're a listener in Australia and you know the brothels, <laughs> let us know if you, this guy's been there. Or not. We could just know about brothels. That'd be fun yeah. too. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. well, <laughs> there was, there was actually a, an article in a magazine, like a, it was like a Rolling Stone article that was talking about uh, women that work at the brothels in Nevada. And, at least three times in their conversation, either bishops, oh boy, uh, LDS uh, young men coming back from their missions, or there's also one guy who was a teacher in the Mormon church who went down there to cross-dress. I, so they're saying, those women down there are saying, oh, it's quite frequent. Yeah, we're used to having, yeah, we're what, used to having the Mormons come down it, here for Ryan, sex. Ryan, what happens in Vegas is supposed to stay in Vegas. That's well, right. it was in Rolling Stone. <laughs> <laughs> Do we want to go to cross-dressing Mormons? Is that a good topic for the next bit? Sure. <laughs> so you got a story about that too? Well, well of course. <laughs> I feel like we got sidetracked. So we, 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 oh, yeah. we were talking about something and then I asked what correlation Correlation. Was. Yeah. But now I can't remember what the other something was that uh, we were talking about initially. Schools are boring. Uh... I'm 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 lost track too. Uh, we got on the cross dressing and that. And I just me. I, I'm, I'm like sorry. No, this is totally. You're totally fine, man. We we just kind of zig and zag, and now I'm. But now I feel like we, I've we, shortchanged you because I lost we, track. We of lost what you the were zag. Talking. That's all right. If it comes back, we'll go back there. But cross dressing is right. pretty interesting. So let's go. <laughs> sure, there. hell yeah. Once upon a time, so Wilford Woodruff, <laughs> oh, right? Cross dressing stories are always good when it starts with once upon a time. All the best stories start with once upon a time. <laughs> so uh, remember Wilford Woodruff, Mister. Yeah. I went to the Bohemian Grove. Yeah. So when he was on the underground, and the underground was when they would hide from federal marshals because of polygamy, and the federal marshals were trying to get them to get on trial because it was illegal, and they were doing a whole bunch of other shifty stuff, and just like. They like look for an ounce of marijuana in order to get the, the, the whole crime yeah. syndicate. That's basically why they were out looking for people who were engaging in polygamy. Mm. So the, the apostles go and hide. And there is this uh, story of this woman who makes, uh, Wilford Woodruff a Mother Hubbard dress. <laughs> and he would go around to avoid the federal marshals in this woman's like <laughs> as frumpy as you can imagine with the little bonnet. Yeah. And, uh, one day he's out for a walk and he comes around a fence post and there's a federal marshal right there. And the guy recognizes that this, little old woman with the giant beard. beard. That's what I was going to say. Did he have a beard? <laughs> yeah, I was wondering, did he sacrifice the beard to do this? No, no, no. no nothing that level of clever. So he's just, he's uh, nabbed and he actually gets hauled off at that point. Uh, so yeah, cross-dressing Mormon. Yeah, he must have been to the circus and seen a bearded woman and thought, I can do that. Desperate times, desperate measures, I guess. I don't know. I uh, Well, not- but also in that Rolling Stone article, the, the Mormon that was going on there was cross-dressing. 
the women said he wasn't there for sex. He purely went there to cross dress and dress as a woman and hang out with them. And that those women that worked that place finally convinced him to leave Mormonism. And now he uh, lives full time as a transgender uh, woman. Oh. So full trans, not, not just like a no, no, like drag like, queen like he or did. He, he he he. That's the way he felt, and he felt the only place he could be himself was in the brothel where they wouldn't be talking to the bishops that were also there for sex. That's like the sweetest brothel story I've it ever is. heard. It really See, is. women at brothels aren't <laughs> just you know sex crazed women that want your money. They're they got hearts too. Hookers with hearts of gold. <laughs> hmm. I'm still wondering what we were talking about before we before we got off on the correlation thing. Uh, it had to do with what you did for work early on in the church when you were teaching. That's right. I was I was uh, elders quorum and I was teaching and there was something related. Well, because I had asked, I, I had said you were a true believing Mormon. You went on a mission. Come back. You come back, and I said, "Oh, I said that's what it was." So I had asked you if you could point to any one thing in particular. That's right. Uh, that's right. Okay, so. Um, so I was doing that sort of research. Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> You're welcome. I stumbled on all this stuff that I just said and was like, wow, wow, I think they may be a shifty secret combination within the church, right? Because that's a big Mormon thing is these secret combinations. Um, spoiler alert, secret combination in the 1800s meant masonry, which, uh, you know, the whole temple was based on. So whatever you want to go with that. But um, – <laughs> And I was, I, Mormon stories with John DeLynn had started up and I was kind of making my way through that. I found it interesting. It was some great history and some, I like the one that really got me was the, the, um, Mark Hoffman episode because they talked to people who were in and around and like worked with him and bought things and knew the guy who was blown up. And I mean, these were great, a bunch of crazy (laughs) shit that happened in the eighties, a bunch of crazy shit in the eighties. Yeah. He was, he was a great forger in case anyone hasn't heard of this guy who forged not only Mormon documents, but all sorts of 1800 documents. And they still don't know how he managed to make the ink look radiocarbon dated back Hmm. to the time. Um, so anyway, um, he had on an, an, uh, an archeologist by the name of Michael Coe. And Michael Coe was someone I knew from my father and all that research, and that his name featured prominently in a lot of the things that were published as the non-Mormon, right? <laughs> and here he was, he'd gone on all these digs, and, and he was telling this story about how, uh, the, the, the apologists were two-faced, that they would do really strict, um, academic guidelines when they were digging. And when they were presenting, and then they would come back to Utah and totally make up things that were not at all what were said when they were down actually on the dig. And he made this mention that that will forever change my life. Um, And that was that uh, there was no gold in the Mesoamerican area until – except for in the Incan range. We'll get to that in just a second. Until 700 AD. Anyone who's counting, that's 300 years after Moroni's dead. There's no gold. Mm. And I'm sitting there going, there's no gold. Well, then there's no gold senums Mm -hmm. or ontais for them to use as money or currency or weights and measures if you want to go apologist instead of coins. (laughs) There's no golden throne for King uh, Noah. That he's sitting up there on his. If you've seen the photos with the leopards and the king of Ben, you can Google it. It's dude. It's cool. I'll have to show you. Remind <laughs> me before you go that I have these these old LPs. It's oh. the Book of Mormon on on LP, and it has this book with a bunch of LDS art in it. I'm sure you'd love it. Remind me to show it to you before. Arnold you go. Freeberg. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. <laughs> um, so he, uh, and and it just really hit me. So I started to trace how gold moved in Mesoamerica mm-hmm. and. 
Um, it exists in the Incan Empire for a really long time because they were secluded in Peru by giant mountains. Yeah. And as soon as it comes out, it spreads like wildfire. You can trace as the people develop the technology. And this was very damning for a testimony. I'm like, well, then there were no gold plates. Because no. I was kind of investigating the reorganized church and the Church of Christ oh, Temple right. lot. Yeah. Like maybe Strangites, maybe some Bickertonites. Like I was going through the Order, the Kingston Group, uh, which is the Order, uh, the All Red Group, the FLDS. Like I was looking anywhere because I, I had a testimony, but I knew something was wrong with the correlation committee. And, uh, and so that was kind of where I was like, oh, there's no gold plates. Well, then what is it all? And, uh, and then the real, there's two things that were straws that were really break the camel's back. My grandfather got cancer and, uh, and my brother went down and got a recording, um, before he died of why he left the church and he played it for me. Um, and, and I'd never heard the story before, but, uh, he grew up in, uh, Mexico, um, before it was, became Arizona as a polygamous, member of a polygamous family. Well, yeah, that's where a lot of the polygamists went was to either British Columbia or Mexico, right? That's right. And, and, uh, and we can, I don't know. There's, there's so much story there because <laughs> Anthony. The LDS church history is so rich and rife with nonsense. It is. There's so <laughs> many things to pull from. So Anthony Evans, who was the, uh, the cowboy apostle, they called him, uh, was sent there and they gave him instructions to continue polygamy. Um, but then to, to lie about it to the Mexican president. Ah. Um, and, and we have a couple of letters where he, he's directly told to lie. And and then they throw him under the bus shortly after. But um, well, that's what friends do. But my grandfather grew up down there, and he was going to the young the youth activity, and uh, he gets to the church, and they're talking about what the youth activity is, and it's there's this this um, African American descended couple who have evaded the banks and bought a house with cash, and the youth activity is to burn the house down. Oh, Ugh, that's and, pretty fucking shitty. My my grandfather runs home, gets his father, and they run as hard as they could to try to prevent this. Okay, and uh, he he you could kind of hear the tremble in his voice that he felt guilty that they he like he had slowed his father down because they don't make it. The house uh. is burning when they get there, and this woman had this uh, uh, clay pot. Uh, that had silver dollars in it. It was her last possession. She'd run into the burning house and recovered this. They took the pot and they smashed it and all the silver dollars were warped from the heat and they gave it to the young men as mementos. And my oh. grandfather still had his. Oh, jeez. Wow. Um, and I said to my dad, you know, like, I, after hearing this, I'm like, dad, um, didn't you, did you know this? Didn't, didn't grandpa tell you this? And he said, uh, yeah, I just thought you left another, or that it was another church. And I said, dad, he left this one. He didn't leave <laughs> yeah. another church. Like, yeah. you don't, oh, those Catholics did something terrible. <laughs> I'm leaving the Mormon church. <laughs> we thrive on those stories. We yeah. love to hear when another religion totally screws up. So I think this was very much a, uh, a KKK mix. Yeah. Um, down. And I don't, I don't blame the whole church for it, but it was definitely screwed up. Uh, the last thing that I would say was a, a real, uh, stickler for me. Um, I was actually defending the church online. This is after I was more or less, I'd, I'd resigned callings. I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. Um, and my wife was, was still taking the kids and, and going every week and, and, um, uh, just trying to navigate those whole murky waters. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I was still defending, you know, we're going to do accurate history. People yeah. deserve accurate history. And, uh, someone was talking about the experiments at BYU on at the LGBT where they would round up people and threaten them with their academic careers if they didn't uh, – uh, and the, the 
If they didn't submit to conversion therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, reparation therapy and conversion therapy. And, uh, you know, I had a copy of the, uh, the dean's request to do the experiment. It was 1976 to 1978. And I was defending, you know, there was a lot of schools that were doing this at this time period. It was a different time. Human experimentation is always ugly. And someone that recognized me, um, you know, kind of raised his hand and said, Hey, uh, you know, they did that to me. And I was like, no, no, no. In that way that you do when you're a balloon. No, you know, yeah. they didn't no, really. No. This, this ended thinking, in 1976. Yeah. You were in school in 1994. And he said, yes, I think I remember throwing up. I was like, oh, wait, are you serious? And so he took me on a nice little tour where we got to see the room where they strapped him down and the walls were padded. So oh. the students above couldn't hear him screaming while he was puking. Oh, and I'm like, so they they did the human experimentation for two years. And they knew that it it didn't work. That's the conclusion on the paper. And then they ran it for twenty, well, almost twenty years, knowing it didn't help anyone. Wow! But they got to torture a whole lot of gays. Yeah, and at that point, it is torture. So don't get me wrong. If I were a member of Costco and I knew that, found out that Costco took a small percentage of its members down into a basement and tortured them, I would resign my <laughs> Costco membership. Yeah, and that, yeah. That was when I turned in my membership for the church show. I'm like, I'm done. Thank you. I'm out. I can't do it anymore. Um. So, uh, and, and I've had a lot of people who have challenged me on this over the years. Like, no, no, it didn't happen in 1994. You're making things up. We had a uh, reporter with the Salt Lake Tribune. I think it was with the Salt Lake Tribune who contacted me. We were able to find evidence in 1981, 1982, and 1986. Um, that's not quite to 1994, but it, it, it shows a trend. And the fun thing is, is the 1981, the people who are talking about it are like, and this is the last year we're ever this is the last year we're ever going to do it. And then there's a published thing on 1986. It's like they tell every year this is it's the last, last year we do it. So then the question everyone asks immediately is, do you think they're still doing it? And the answer is, I don't think so. I think Evergreen ended in 2012. And with that, it seems like the church kind of took a big step back. But it could have been happening all through there. Yeah. Yeah, but they're, they're still, I'm fairly certain, pro- uh, conversion therapy. We had a member of the subreddit who posted, now they take this for what it's worth, and we're going to qualify that I have not backed this story up, but it's his own story. It has not story. been independently verified. Yeah. That's right. Uh, where he um, was in the room when Elder Ballard reached over and said, you know, I wouldn't do this for anyone, but I think there's someone who can help, and he was recommending rec- uh, reparation therapy. And he's like, well, we're, they're, they're still doing it at the top, so take that. I, I take it for what it's worth. Well, well I, I I know people personally who, you know, graduated from BYU or were members of the LDS Church and had it recommended to them within the last decade. So, well, I even heard a story from a woman that said she was sealed to a homosexual man when she was 15 years old to try to relieve him of his homosexuality. They that just hadn't been with anybody cute enough. <laughs> well, she was also, I guess, her family was very controlling with that kind of stuff and forcing her into that, you know, it's, being raped and everything. It goes with the territory. So my mother was proposed to um, by Arvin Shreve uh, as his fifth wife, hmm. and she actually turned evidence uh, against him, and he was excommunicated because uh, who was, of her. Who was Arvin Shreve? He, a, a wacko. I, you don't need to know much more than it. Was, he proposed <laughs> for a fifth wife, but he... Uh, an LDS guy, I mean, clearly. Yeah. LDS guy, he was he was <laughs> teaching Sunday school, and my parents always warned me against, like, extracurricular church activities because this had happened to my mom. Oh. Um, but she didn't tell me until he died uh, up here in the state pen 
um, ah. here at Point of the Mountain. He ha- went to jail for molesting both his sons and daughters. So I was that close to uh, becoming one of these uh, stories if my mom hadn't had the guts to turn him down, which if we go back to Joseph Smith, right, there are the women who turned him down like Nancy Rigdon and Martha Botherton and Sarah Pratt that he totally slandered in the newspapers of the day. That would have been my mom and uh, Rachel Evans. Uh, that that was what my mom did. She stood up to someone who she trusted and felt yeah. close to and said, no, I'm not going to take part of this and turned him over to the authorities. And here I am. Maybe I have a little bit of my mom in me, too. That's kind of my... <laughs> she I'm, was a rebel. That's right. What, were you offered <laughs> to be a crazy. fifth husband? N- not that way. No. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't swing that way. It uh-huh. doesn't, doesn't work. So if, if the person believes all that, believes that the Garden of Eden was in Missouri, <laughs> believes that Native Americans are the lost ten tribes of Israel believe that Jesus visited North America. I mean, these beliefs are barking mad. So you no longer identify as a, as a Mormon. Are you, are you still religious at all? Do you, do you, do you swing that way? So, how, do, how does that all work now? So this is my hesitation. When you, when you invited me to come speak at the atheist thing, because I'm not an atheist, I'm, I consider myself a progressive deist. You know what a deist is, because that was like Benjamin Franklin, yeah. and, you know, basically atheists of the old day. Somebody but, who thinks there may be something out there, or there, there is something out there, but is it doesn't dabble in our everyday lives. It kicked off the universe. God of Spinoza, right? And Einstein, Spinoza's when he God, talks yeah, about yeah, God, this yeah. is what... So a progressive deist believes that God may have kicked it all off. But then he's been a dick ever since. That's really like think Q from Star Trek: The, the, the Next Generation. Father, he he went out to get smokes, and nobody's yeah. seen him since. Well, even worse than that, think of a thirteen-year-old with an Xbox, or like, have you ever played The Sims and like put them all in the swimming pool and t- took away the ladder just to laugh at them as they die? My <laughs> kids used to love doing that. Yeah, shit. yeah. So if you look, I didn't even know you could do that. Oh you yeah, sick, crazy. Or, or you put them all in the house and you take away the doors and set the house on fire. Whoa! Exactly. You exactly. have them start cooking something for too long, and it, set, it starts a fire. And... and I thought running people over on GTA was sick and twisted. And no, no. <laughs> but you've taken away the doors, and they can't get out. And yeah. Any game can turn into this. So you look at Jerusalem, right, where it is like this main center, the Wailing Wall, mm-hmm. and then you put the Dome of the Rock like just a few... F- hundred feet away from and then you have him fight over like that looks to me like an xbox kid like he's like ha 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 show up every 600 years to see how bad he messed up the pot and and he's playing around and and so that's kind of where i stand is that uh, he could be interacting he could have literally said joseph smith there are gold plates and i swear these come from native americans and shown him gold plates and yet it was so I, and then walked away and started giggling his ass started, off, exactly like, yeah. oh by the way you got to marry that guy's wife <laughs> So I basically any claim any any religious person gives to me, I will totally accept as legitimate, and I will also say, and that proves he's not a nice person. That's kind of how I, I I follow things. So there you go. So so would you? So as a deist, I've always wondered this about deists. You know, you you think that there may be something out there that kicked everything off and got everything started. Would you? Would you say that you would? 
if if there is an afterlife and you're taken to heaven, I mean, would you would you choose to worship that being? How well, would how would that work? Like, do you, do you think no. heaven heaven and hell exist? And I, I think mankind's best thing we can do is be better than God. I think that if we can we can outdo the the performance of the 13 year old with the Xbox controller <laughs> with each other because uh, his commands they keep coming across just terrible. They're just absolutely terrible. So. Um, like, and judgment, I don't think you have any guarantee whatsoever, right? Because this guy, right, or girl, or thing, or group of scientists, they could be any of them, I'm good with any of them, um, says things like, I'm omniscient, I'm omnipotent, I can be anywhere, but I'm not going to, and you can fill in any of the atheist yeah. things that you usually say, right? And that to me says, dick. And, and <laughs> you get up to heaven, he's like, oh, oh, were you down there? T- I'm so sorry. We have this bulk special on Subway for eternity. You're going to go into the Subway section. You, there's no guarantees. Yeah, You have no idea if this guy's telling the truth or not. There's so many um, – uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Anachronisms and and contradictions in any of the holy works. But I just, you know, if if it was an Xbox kid, you would go, hey, it's Leet, dude. You should totally do the thing. And, and it, it just, it's, it, that fits for me. I mean, you could be, you get there and like, ah, tricked you. We actually burn you with pokers up here. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the other place was way better. You should have totally lived like that. Yeah. Valhalla could be so legit at that point and you'd never. It's you like, know. we didn't tell you you can go down there and snort as much cocaine as you want. And you never die. <laughs> And and Joseph's down there too, because why not? Yeah, having a great time with all the women. Joseph Smith or Joseph Stalin? Both. Okay. <laughs> so what what are the two what are the two craziest things that you have learned about any of LDS history or or anything like that? If if you had to narrow it to to two, which which are what are those two things? I I think. Well, let's go with with recent ones. Can we go recent? Because there's way too okay. many crazy. Well, to narrow it's, down. it's your it's it's your choice, man. Whatever whatever two you think are the most out there crazy things that you've learned about the LDS Church. Ah, oh, the two most crazy of all the things. Um, so I came came prepared with the two recent. Let's start with recent and see if, okay. if something jumps out. All right. So uh, there was this kid by the name of James. Now I'm going to get his name wrong. Brewster was his last name. Um, and he lived in Kirtland during the whole uh, Kirtland Safety Society. And uh, he gets this crazy idea and he gets a stone and he starts looking for buried treasure. Now, this is the time period when Joseph goes up to Salem, uh, Massachusetts to try to find treasure. And he starts uh, doing this thing. And then when Joseph comes back and the whole Kirtland Safety Society breaks off, he follows David Whitmer. Now, David Whitmer was set apart as the second prophet of the restoration. Most people don't know that it doesn't go Joseph Smith, Brigham Young, but it goes Joseph Smith, David Whitmer. And uh, and this is confirmed in the notes by uh, Joseph Smith Sr. And so this kid follows him and uh, gets a whole set of revelations when he's about 17 years old. Does this sound familiar at all? He puts together a book of scripture. Huh. It sounds vaguely familiar. And there's something. Anyway. This kid didn't sell snake oil stuff or try to – was he ever imprisoned for like – he wasn't in prison. He's actually oh. got that up. But he does have a stone that he uses yeah. to go finding treasure just, just... for about a good decade. And then he produces the book of scripture huh. and they send it off to convince the Nauvoo uh, saints that this is the legitimate prophet. And uh, John Taylor actually writes an anti-Brewster <laughs> tract 
Uh, and in this tract, which is just crazy, he he's uh, doing all the same things they did to Joseph Smith, talking about how this is a witch uh, stone and and how he's you know using sorcery and he's a treasure hunter, therefore he's not legitimate. And his scripture is really easy to see through; it's flimsy. There's all sorts of anachronism. Like it's totally you could just anyway. You're, that, you're checking off all of the problems with Joseph Smith. It's <laughs> one after the other. Yeah, at the same ages, yeah. right? And and uh, so. And in 1851, he lists on the census, the U.S. census, that his his uh, occupation is American prophet. Ah. Uh, and then he kind of vanishes out of history for a while and goes and becomes a school teacher. He just kind of gives it up when he gets about 21. He's like, you know what? I don't, I don't buy it anymore. Yeah, I'm not uh. digging this. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but that was truly crazy that we actually had – If I've always wondered, what if you had another young prophet in the Mormon church? And the answer is there was one. Yeah. And they would totally – like, this is not legitimate. <laughs> you cannot do what Joseph did. Um, just totally trash him. And, uh, and, and so that was, that was uh, really crazy to see like this microcosm yeah. spring up within it. Um, and they treat him as – just like all the other preachers did to Joseph. Uh, persecution all the way. Anyway, the other one that was really fun is the hollow earth theory. And I think uh, this is my favorite because I was taught it in church when I was a kid. I did not know Ooh. the Mormons believed. I've heard of other religions following a hollow earth theory and I've seen other crazy wacko cults about it, but I did not know the Mormons believed in a hollow earth. So this becomes... Well, this this yeah. isn't part of like official doctrine anymore. Oh, come it? on. Like they don't, do they, they don't, they don't teach this in church. They don't... It's not. It's but not. The a... church never changes. <laughs> Define for me what 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 doctrine is, and maybe right. we can start. Because yeah. as they say, it's hard to hard as hard to define church, uh, LDS doctrine as to nail Jello to a wall. And yeah. I, yeah. Anyway, so um, this is uh, you know I was primary age, maybe Blazer B, which is twelve ish. <laughs> Um, and we had a substitute teacher, so you gotta take that in effect. But we were one of the last words correlated. I remember the big to-do with the adults that they were falling, they had to, to change the manuals and they couldn't get money by writing the manuals locally anymore. Mm. But this had to be in the, the 80s, um, due, due to my age, so <laughs> we had to be just at the tail end of the correlated okay. side. Um, but he came in and he taught, uh, and he quoted a general authority, uh, that, that the, Lost 10 tribes were in the hollow earth. And this ah. truly disturbed me as a kid because I knew they were in outer space. <laughs> because Battlestar Galactica was written by yes. Glenn Larson, who was a Mormon, so they have to be in outer space. True. Uh. So this came up on the subreddit as one of the, uh, the the craziest things ever said. So I actually got to find the source, and the ultimate source is none other than Joseph Smith. <laughs> Joseph Smith taught that there were – that the ice caps, when they melt in the uh, Doctrine and Covenants at the end of the world, that the the um, Lost Ten Tribes would come out of the hollow earth and cross on a land bridge and come over. Now, the, you, you may be saying – Wait, I thought Joseph taught they were in outer space. And you'd be also right. That quote also comes from Joseph Smith. Turns out he taught different things to different people depending on where he was and what was going on and what they wanted to believe. He just couldn't get his story straight. He's like, they'll never correlate all of this into one central teaching. (laughs) And if they do, they will leave this part out. So he also taught – There will just be ellipses here. (laughs) He taught that there were two uh, land bridges that stuck out of the earth kind of like you might picture a water molecule. At okay. the north and south poles, and there were two spheres that hung out from the north and south poles, and one of them was Venus, and the other one was – I forget what it was, but the, the Lost Ten Tribes were on one, and the city of Enoch was on the Venus okay. one. Okay. So uh, – and I, I – 
again, somewhere on the subreddit, I'd have to dig to find it again. But uh, we provided the original sources and who said that Joseph Smith said it, along with diagrams that he drew out of the earth with the <laughs> yeah. thing sticking out. Wow. <laughs> no, really, here's what it looks like. Let me show you. Uh, but okay one more crazy can we do one more crazy absolutely yeah so uh, this is my all time favorite and I've got it it's big and prominent on my blog because it was life changing for me so um, once upon a time ago there was a map drawn of where Moroni went Um, you know here, there, everywhere. He had to get to the Manti Temple yeah. because he set apart the Manti Temple to be dedicated. He has to drop off the gold plates. And uh, this map is um, uh, its problematic. Um, it has the Kinderhook plates written on it as one of the things that Moroni dropped off. Oh, now, if fun. you don't know the Kinderhook plates, uh, they are copper metal plates that were forgeries that were created to yep. fool Joseph Smith. And depending on which apologist you talk to, he did or did not try to translate them. Uh, but but he does say in his journal, I translated the Kinderhook plates today. So I kind of believe Joseph over the apologist. Uh, <laughs> well, do you really believe he translated these plates? Okay. Oh, sure. The one time you, the one time you believe Joseph Smith. I believe everything they say. I take them at their word. I just think it sounds awful. No, uh, so, uh, the, uh, for a long time, the apologist argued that this was a fake map, that it was a fraud. Someone was just trying to make Joseph look bad with the Kinderhook plates on this map. And then we get this source uh, that, that validates the map and says this is a legitimate map and, and it's used and taught for another four decades as the legitimate course of Moroni. But there's one problem. And down in the corner, there's a name, Arizona. And the problem is that Arizona was not a state when Joseph Smith was alive. Uh-huh. That area is not named Arizona. No. Now, there was a giant find of silver that is contemporary that was called Arizona. So maybe he was talking not about a state, but about a giant pile of silver, which kind of fits Joseph's MO. He liked gold and silver yeah. and so forth. But uh, He was a treasure hunter. Uh-huh. But it, it unless he had heard of this silver find, which was not exactly in all the newspapers. Uh, this he didn't map, exactly have Google. Exactly. There's no way to look up what Arizona would be named 30 years in the future because yeah. it's made a, uh, a, it becomes a thing around 1968. So then this for- map must be a forgery of someone who believed that Joseph was a prophet, believed the Kinderhook plates, and said that Joseph wrote it in his own hand. And it's gone back and forth, both directions to prove uh, Mormonism and to disprove. And this is, yeah. a, oh no, it's a to- but it, it, an anti-Mormon wouldn't have forged. This Moroni journey. This is a pro-Mormon who was trying to vindicate Joseph Smith yeah. long after Trying the fact. to shoehorn something in. Right. And so, yeah, that sort of thing just absolutely fascinates me. I love that sort of thing. So. so you mentioned earlier that you have a sister who studied, studied was it geology or archaeology? Archaeology. Archaeology. And now she's a school teacher. How many brothers and sisters have you got? I've got uh, four. Let's see, there's six siblings all together. I've got to do math here. <laughs> Three brothers and two sisters. Um, and, and we probably shouldn't go into too much detail because they probably wouldn't, wouldn't appreciate yeah. uh, being outed on here. Um, but, but at least one of them teaches at a BYU school. How's that? Mm. So, well, I, I was just wondering how many of your siblings are still believers in the church, that kind of thing. Like, are you the black sheep of the family now? Everybody has disowned you. How, how, are, how are family relations now? now? Now, luckily, I had a brother who left way before me that, was, that, that took that black sheep role, and I, I'll always be grateful that he was uh, <laughs> willing to, like, 
go that route. Um, You're the black sheep and the sacrificial lamb. That's right. <laughs> Scapegoat. Uh, um, so um, I had a long talk with my sister one night um, just after. Uh, it wasn't the the guy showed me the BYU one, but the um, the grandpa's uh, audio. And uh, the next day she took off her garments and was like, I'm done. I'm oh. done. Oh, wow. I'm just done. This is so weird. This is done. Yeah. Um, and she didn't like the temple anyway. She's like, ah, that's weird. It's fucking creepy and weird, man. And then I have two brothers who are still very much in it. And, uh, we still get into, to conversations every once in a while, but we try to keep from the Facebook wars with kind of a truce sort of situation where they just spam me with pro church stuff. And (laughs) I try not to say anything until it gets to me. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, you keep pushing me. You keep pushing me. You probably um, shouldn't be asking me these questions because uh, I will destroy your faith if you keep pushing me. I will spam you with blogs. <laughs> I can, so uh, I had this nephew that came back from a mission, and uh, this is right when I'm deep into the research phase. Yeah. I'm like, you know what happened with the, the Adam-God theory? And, uh, you know, because we were taught uh, that this was just kind of a weird theory that maybe some people kind of believed a little bit and maybe Brigham, they just misunderstood him. It was a transliteration error by a scribe. There's all these kind of explanations. And what the Adam-God theory is? That that Adam uh, was not a man, but he was literally God the Father who came down. And when we we pray to God, we're praying to Adam, uh, Michael, the the first man Adam. Um, well, it turns out that Brigham Young taught that over 37 years. This was not a, a little teaching that was, ma- you know, one guy right. wrote it down wrong. It, or a misinterpretation. It wasn't a transcription yeah. error. It wasn't, yeah. yeah. Uh, and he taught it in all sorts of places. And, and one of his wives, Eliza R. Snow, uh, wrote a song about it. Uh-huh. Like, it was kind of a big deal. Yeah. It was at the temple. In order to go through the veil, you had to learn that, uh, it, it was, it was not a tiny thing that was accidentally, um, and there's a letter, uh, very fascinatingly, uh, between Eugene England, who was a, a LDS professor at BYU and, uh, uh, Bruce R. McConkie, where Eugene England says, you know, the Adam God theory, here's the evidence. And, and, uh, Bruce R. McConkie, the apostle, writes back, um, well, if we admit this, then the fundamentalists have us. Uh, <laughs> so they knew, they knew. And so I just brought this up and this has kind of caused a little bit of a rift in the family because I was, I was corrupting this young man. Now, this young man Whoa. had just spent two years trying to teach people about the church. And he um, didn't even know. <laughs> and he didn't yeah, no, I'm just like, hey, did you know this stuff? This is awesome. And and yeah, that didn't go over so well. So I feel kind of bad. And at the same time, I'm kind of like, he was an I adult. Won't. Yeah, he yeah. was an adult. He, yeah. he, 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 he can he, handle information. One, one hopes. <laughs> He's a big boy. If he's, and it's probably better that he hears it from you, a trusted family source, than some Joe Random. Yeah. I instantly became not or... instantly became not trusted family uh, source, yeah. and I was I had been beguiled and led away. So you, you ask about that, and I really only have a couple of qualms with the church. It's okay; you can worship whatever you want. I'm I'm not. It's not a big deal. There are two things that bother me though, and they still bother me a lot. One is whenever the um, the the legitimate what are, general authorities, the mm-hmm. seventy and the top prophet and the quorum of the twelve, when they say people who leave. 
are beguiled by Satan, misled, uh, darkened is a word they like to use. Uh, tools you know, of the adversary. Like the black people. <laughs> God totally changed his mind in 1978. Yeah, they uh, can no longer drive around in the carriages or drive the carriages for the, for the prophets. Or be given as personal property yeah. to the church. It's well, changed. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so any of that sort of speech, I will post on Facebook at that point. They've done it again. If you're truly my friend and you're still a member, could you just write to a general authority and say, this hurts people I know and care about? Yeah. And every time that I do that, there is someone who says, you've just misunderstood it. You just didn't hear it right. <laughs> no, it's pretty clear what they're saying. I, I kind of want to say you don't get to make that determination. If I feel hurt, you don't get to say like, you know, if someone hits you in the face and they're like, ow, that hurt. You don't get to say, that didn't hurt you. That's not an okay You've interpreted yeah. my striking you as something other than what I did. Yeah, exactly. No, this is pretty clear. Tool of the adversary is not mincing words very much. Darkened, we're not. Yeah. So um, that bothers me and uh, and... When they teach that you have to give so much and yeah. everything and it's never good enough, I think we deal on the subreddit. So let's talk about the subreddit for a bit after. Sure. Uh, we deal with people who, who struggle with that all the time and who are falling and broken and losing family and friendships. And, and they gave, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars and all of their time. And, yeah. And, and it breaks people. That bothers me too. I think they need to tone down. It's it's that unachievable goal that they're giving to you and saying, well, if you do this and this and this, you can achieve that goal, then you don't get it. So you got to give more and you don't get it. So eventually well, you're well, and completely it's the depressed. View, and it's the view that you're either with us or you're against us. There is no middle ground yeah. with the LDS church. It's that you're all in or you're a pawn of Satan. And and there's even a quote by Joseph Smith that you lose leave neutral ground forever once you hear about the church. Mm-hmm. And you're one side of it. That's all there is to it. Yeah. And it does hurt as uh, – Especially when it's some, you know, young women's teacher teaching my daughters that I, their father, am the evil influence. And yeah. she's misquoting the prophet because it's got <laughs> ellipses in that stupid manual. That drives me bonkers. I'm like, can we just sit down and you not lie to my children? I just want to go through the lie that you just told. Let's talk about what he yeah. really said. Anyway, um, what was I going to say we were going to get back to? Well, I just had one question for you real you were, quick. You said we were, we're, we're going to get back to the subreddit. The subreddit, yeah. Yeah, but so – you're getting all this information from you said mostly Mormon sources. Yeah, are these actual like transcripts of this, or do they have like the actual visual, seeing the letters and actually getting to see the actual handwritten stuff that's been so not been manipulated at all? Like the uh, the one I was talking about, the Adam God theory. Yeah, um, they actually have it at BYU in the special collections. You okay, can go and and see the handwritten okay. documents. Um, Joseph Smith Papers was a thing, but it hadn't been posted online yet. Uh, my father had bought the books, so I was seeing it in the the official the original, church. The original text. Yeah, okay. published. Um, oh, oh, this is a great one for crazy. Uh, I'm sorry. This is the craziest. <laughs> There's so many good <laughs> ones. I know um, I said the other one was, but this one is the craziest. So uh, Joseph Smith actually gives us a piece of the Adamic tongue in the Joseph Smith papers, and you can Google this. <laughs> they they just like going through like uh, the the what's it called Book of Breathings uh, facsimile. Okay. Of the Book of Abraham, or going through and translating the Book of Mormon, he translates a little bit of the Adamic, the pure Adamic tongue, <laughs> and he includes the word for angles, which is 
uh, Amon Engelsmann. That is the short, compressed, ultimate speech of mankind. Uh, but you can find that in the Joseph Smith papers. They've got that online. I didn't make that up. This it's, is not. It sounds me like just, he's a Rastafarian. It totally. I, he, like the true Engelsmann. name of the true name of God is Amon, and the true name of an angel is Amon Engelsmann, and it just. It's so Calvin and Hobbes making stuff up in the backyard. It hurts. Um, okay, so. Uh, the subreddit. So we, we had a big sit down when I was moderator the first time around, um, where we were saying, what is the purpose of the subreddit really? Cause there's, there's people who post like Boyd K Packers head on Smeagol. There's people who <laughs> post giant historical whatever's, which is my kind of shtick. There are people who post, uh, current financial records. We had a big bunch, bunch of leaks that came through the yeah. subreddit recently. Um, and, and, and what are we really here to do? And we came up with it's mainly a recovery subreddit. It's whatever people need to do to like cope and deal with this post-traumatic religious uh, – post-religious like, distress disorder, whatever it is that people <laughs> go through. Their, their religious anger. Yeah, and, and to get through that period. And, and the, you know, there's a saying in the church that uh, you can leave the church, but you can never leave, leave it alone. Leave the church alone, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, can, I can bear solemn testimony that I know lots of people who have started leaving it alone. They come in, and they're angry, and they're just throwing stuff, and they're talking about how, you know, I gave up the love of my life, this man that I, I, I desperately wanted to be with, but we were both gay, and we, we confessed to the bishop, and now and, – and all these things that they, they – struggle with and and i've seen them go through that whole like remorse mm-hmm. and that the five phases the, of I, <clears throat> the cycle. cycle of yeah. m- the like, mourning or whatever yeah. yeah and then they say goodbye and if you look up under me uh the words happy trails i've said happy trails to each person who's gone away and we are at thousands of ah. people mm-hmm. who have wandered away and, and left it alone they've come to a resolution where they don't need it anymore i think that's really our purpose is if you're at that phase where you're just so angry and so lost and, and you're getting prodded by some aunt that won't leave you alone every week on Facebook or whatever and you just want to scream. This is the place you can go and scream yeah. and no one's going to judge and um, you know, and you'll find out really cool, weird, wacky stuff like I've talked about <laughs> uh, as well as um, how people are doing day to day. And we've had some great friendships uh, come, come out of it. But it's mainly – and we have two main subreddit rules and there's really only two. There's a few others that kind of help things go smooth. But the, the two big ones are no personal attacks. You have to attack the argument, not the man. And you, it's amazing how hard that is. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've, I've moderated Facebook groups. So, yeah, you, yeah, you know. Yeah. It's, it's constant. And the other one is you do not get to out anyone. You cannot respond with, oh, I hate you so much. I am revealing your personal identity online. Uh, mm. um, and, and those are the big two. And yet it's still hard because everyone who shows up wants to keep it secret enough that they can get out the frustration and they don't want to be attacked for what they have personally suffered. Yeah. And so that's the that's what's the subreddit RX Mormon is about. It's not about all the things the church would tell you it's about. We're not well, what are the the standard ones? We're not lazy <laughs> looking we, to sin. Looking to sin. Although if you're looking to sin there is an Exmo drinks uh, <laughs> that has all sorts of good drink recommendations. I highly recommend the uh, the blood atonement. That's a great one. Anyway, oh. um <laughs> And and there's an Exmo not safe for work where there's another type of sinning. We'll leave that over there. Uh, but but this is a place that's mainly about venting and getting through that process. Um, 
that that there is. And then there's also karma, which we should explain for anyone who goes on to Reddit and is like, what the crap are the up and down arrows? If your thing is voted up, you get fake internet points called karma. <laughs> they do nothing. You can't use them uh-huh. at all. Uh, no, no Bitcoin value? No Bitcoin value. You can't trade your account to someone else for <sighs> anything. Uh, however, once you get to uh, 100,000, there is a 100,000 club that you get into in which there's a bunch of people who spam cats constantly. <laughs> and there is a 1% club of the top 1% of Reddit. I, I am unfortunately in both. And they also spam cats constantly. So those are your your pinnacle of Reddit uh, uh, level. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know how Reddit works. And a few years ago, I I made a flying spaghetti monster light display yeah <clears throat> excuse me and i posted that and somebody said well you should post that in reddit so i went and made an account and i posted it and the next day my kids told me that i was on and i posted it in our atheism of course right yeah and my my kids told me the next day that i was on the front page of reddit not just the our atheism but like the, the big the, one the main page and i was yeah. like is that is it a good thing? I, did I do something bad, or am I <laughs> am, I, am I in trouble? <laughs> it's it's something like several million people seeing it at that point. That's yeah. kind of the equivalent. And if huh. you could get click traffic, that would be you know thousands of dollars. But no, you don't get any. It's there's no no value. Why do we post things? I don't know why we do, but we do. And it's great when someone votes your stuff up. It feels spiffy. Um, there you go. Well, and going going back to your point, you you said that you know the one of the mantras of the church or anybody who's still in the church who is complaining about people who have left or, or non-believers is that, you know, you can leave the church, but you can't leave the church alone. And my stock or standard response to that is, you know, I'll, I will leave the church alone when the church leaves me alone, when the church leaves other people alone, when the church allows other people to live their own lives without meddling in constant interference through our liquor laws, our, our laws in general, yeah. yeah, just our laws in Utah in general and throughout the world where they stop trying to push the church's influence in our political system. If you want to believe whatever you want at home or in your church or your temples, Fine, fuck it. I don't care. Just do that. Go and be happy if it makes you feel good, whatever. But leave everybody else the fuck alone. And if you can't do that, then I'm not going to leave you alone until you do. Yeah. Yeah, I saw a Mormon post the other day on a political Facebook group where they they were complaining that the Mormon church is being harassed because (laughs) they're not allowed to send missionaries to certain countries. It's persecution. That, yeah. Clear and like, simple. It's, it's, that's our religious freedom. How dare they? They shouldn't be allowed to. I'm like, no, you shouldn't be allowed to go to any fucking country. <laughs> this is a harsher group than I'm used to dealing well, with. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and what about the countries where the LDS church has just decided that they're not going to participate anymore? Yeah. I think it was Russia that they're talking about. Russia yeah. trying to limit the uh, the amount of missionaries or not allowing missionaries in there. If they do come, they have to stick to certain strict standards of what they're allowed to do. And they're like, that's 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 against our religious freedom. Like, and we're yet, in Russia. It was a great, wonderful thing when we got to build the BYU Jerusalem Center and we weren't allowed <laughs> to preach there, which, very fascinating. The Mossad actually watched the people who were in the BYU Jerusalem Center to make sure they weren't teaching anyone for a good 40 years. And finally, they're like, yeah, no, the Mormons are boring. It's fine. <laughs> Mormonism, it seems to me, objectively, is just a little bit more idiotic than Christianity is. <laughs> It has to be. It is Christianity plus some very stupid ideas. (laughs) 
But for instance, the Mormons think that Jesus is going to return to earth and administer his thousand years of peace at least part of the time from the state of Missouri. <laughs> now, why does this make Mormonism objectively less likely to be true than Christianity? Because what, whatever probability you assign to Jesus' is coming back, you have to assign a lesser probability to his coming back and keeping a summer home in Jackson County, Missouri. <laughs> the world should know about it, and it is almost guaranteed to be embarrassing even to most people who believe in a biblical God. So taking, taking the opposite stance for a moment, is there anything that you have learned about any of the church history that gives you pause where you're like, huh, well, that's really interesting. I wonder if there's any... You know, any any magical claim that that you're like, wow, I, I haven't been able to debunk that or find out anything that that would speak that that wasn't the whole truth or, or anything like that. So so we have some uh, some days on the subreddit, or at least we used to. I don't know that we've done them any anytime recently, where we would put um, reasons to doubt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so one of them that I put on there, there was a story about a magic handkerchief. Is this reasons mm-hmm. to doubt your doubt or to doubt in general? <laughs> <laughs> reasons to doubt your doubt. Reasons to, to still believe. Uh, so there's a story where they all get malaria as they are in the swamp that would become uh, Nauvoo. No, is it is scarlet fever? Scarlet fever? Scarlet fever was... Uh, no. It's the one of those old-timey diseases. Um... And I'm going to say one of the sexual ones, and then everyone's going to laugh. What is the name of the thing? Chlamydia? Not chlamydia. Cholera. Cholera. That was close. They all were dying of cholera. Uh, So they all get sick, and Joseph Smith goes around, and he blesses a couple of people, but then he can't bless all of them, presumably because he's sick. The logic there just escapes me. But he, he blesses a handkerchief, and they take the handkerchief around to people, and they heal. This was a real sticking point for me because people clearly got up and walked. But then we did the numbers, and 14 people die uh, after the blessing. If they had just had the average rate, it would have been seven. So they probably <laughs> spread the disease via the handkerchief and killed about twice as yeah. many people. Uh, it was not statistically significant. It could just be that they died of that normally. They were in a swamp. That probably contributed. Yeah. But, but that I mean, was it's, one it's, that it's that kind was... of like our old hospitals. We're going to put everybody who's sick in this open bayed yeah, room, right? Exactly. And they're all going to get better. Oh, they're all fucking dying. Yeah. Weird how that oh. works. <laughs> Germ <laughs> theory. It yeah. matters. It's, yeah, it's like the demons are spreading in this wide open area. I don't understand. It's one thing Mother Teresa never learned about. Oh, she suffering was good. Be rotting. She is, but... No, she's in heaven with the hot pokers. <laughs> yes. We covered that earlier. Um, no, the... Uh, actually, I think that Mormon heaven might be the actual, like, you get there and do nothing but sing 72 topics for the rest of eternity. Yeah. Uh, so um, what are some of the others where people have come in? But we usually, we sit down and we talk about, you know, what is the source? Uh, how how could we validate this? And I have this thing that I do that you guys will probably appreciate. I got it from James Randi. So, mm. you know, uh, yep. so um, when I was leaving the church, I wanted to come up with a couple of methods to know if I was screwing up my life um, that I could, I could hold on to. So mm-hmm. one of the things I did is I downloaded an app, and every time I had a spiritual experience, I would record it on my app, right? Okay. And that way I could track if my spirituality dipped after I left the church. Did I become <laughs> darkened? And it turns out that it spiked because there were all these things that I would consider spiritual. So many more things that I never knew about and couldn't explore. And Well, the the, the church would say, you don't have, you know, purview over that. It's not your responsibility. Mm -hmm. And here it was – and it was, you know, 
Oh, you had freedom. S- spoiler alert. It was my own mind uh, <laughs> where I was uh, in. But I would I would my subconscious was trying to tell me, hey, there's something here. You should pay attention. And uh, and I eventually tested this with things that I wouldn't know. And, and it had to come from an outside source. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to that in a second. But but um, and and I was calling these for the, the church to fit within their box. And I thought that was really interesting. So I, I, you know, did that. The other thing I did was I set up a code. I got my friend, and uh, this is called the Mithrin Challenge online. It's actually got a, a thing. But uh, so he has half the code, and I have the other half. And uh, I will do anything that anyone tells me if they can produce both codes. Now, this should be simple for a, oh. a god of infinite power and able to, you know, all knowing, I will follow whatever is said between the two, but you have to produce both the beginning and the ending code. And is it people, chocolate milk? No. Ah. <laughs> people immediately say that's not how God works. But in the Mormon sphere, you're testing God. There is DNC 139. And in 139, 129, 129, it talks about how to know a true angel from a fake angel. And a true angel, you extend your hand and he will shake it because he's a resurrected being. And if it's a, a spirit that doesn't have a body yet, he'll put his hands behind his back. But a devil will try to deceive you by grabbing the hand and it will pass through. And that's how you can know a real angel. Well, this handshake method of knowing reality is it's an 1800s handshake the one that i'm describing with the two codes that's how tcpip works and we call it today a handshake right yeah every youtube video listening to this podcast you are engaged in this type of handshake so the servers know begin the real message from a fake one all i'm looking for and then they say you're testing god and i say no i want clarity i just want a clear message why is god so afraid of one clear message yeah it seems simple he used to do it all the time in old testament even new testament days he did that shit all the time right even with joseph smith in the early days he would always begin with thus saith the lord and end with amen now that's not a very complex code but you at least knew (laughs) was he speaking as a man or was he speaking as god there was a clear delineation and now when you brought up the doctrine earlier i have no clue what doctrine is they had a speaker at general conference which is when all the mormons get together and talk about things and the, the leaders give their instruction. One of them gave an instruction on when you could know doctrine. And he said, when all, when at least half of the, the brethren, so let's say seven out of 15, mm, okay. give the same message, that's doctrine. Ah. The problem is, is that seven out of 15 of them didn't give up and give the same message. So that message is not doctrine. Yeah. And you get this, there's thousands <laughs> of these little loops within Mormonism. Um, so I don't know what doctrine is. What was I going to go on about that before? Was uh, James Smith? Brandy, how you? Okay, so uh, I've had 12 people approach me. Um, with codes saying your dad has a message for, for you from the other side or cause he died, uh, or, uh, I, God has revealed your password to me and not one of them has gotten it right. Not even close. In fact, most people who come up and tell me I have a message from God for you to turn you around from your wicked ways. Don't even know there's a code. God forgot to mention it. And it's so frustrating. It's so simple. Just now the way where I got from James Randy, this is how he would test psychics. Yeah. Uh, he would, he would, yeah, same, same method. But I realized it was just TCP IP connections. And if God can't update to our era, I don't know that well, he's, you know, he's just the Xbox kid. Technically God created it. Well, in theory, I don't know. Maybe he, maybe we've outpaced him in intelligence. That's that's within the realm of conceivableness for me is that we Well, if we go with evolution, 
and we were God put us here in his image, we're Neanderthals. He was he's a Neanderthal. And that's why he's beating on stuff all the time. I as legit as anything else. I mean, there is a revelation to the temple president of the Logan Temple where he sees the devil and his hordes come riding up on horses. Think about that for a minute. They still used horses in the 1800s and the devil still used horses. The devil doesn't have technology better than we have. Does he get <laughs> atom bombs when we invent Wait, atom bombs? Does he even need a horse? That, that fucker should be able to fly. One would think that you don't have to use horses if you're a spirit. But no, yeah. they, they ride up on horses. They have clothing of their era. They use uh, 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 swords most of the times in these things. Well, the Bible is the same way. I mean, you hear about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Yeah. You don't hear about the four motorcyclists of the apocalypse. Exactly. Or, or the four motorhomes. Or, or uh, <laughs> the, Mustang the four, and the Shelby the four and Segway the... riders of the apocalypse, right? <laughs> right. None of that. We Hover- can outrun them. None of the, the four hoverboard riders of the apocalypse? Nothing. Starships? I mean, <laughs> yeah. you think they would be above us. But no, for, for some reason, they always have technology That's equal to equal. ours. Yeah, except for... We have to give him because Dan Peterson, he's one of these fair guys. Oh, I, that guy fucking bothers me so much. He pointed out that the stone was just like an iPhone. So there, oh. I guess they were advanced there. So, uh, that, yeah, um, Daniel Peterson is, is the worst. I guarantee, <laughs> I guarantee that stone didn't have Siri on it. That guy is so intellectually fucking dishonest that it kills me. I don't understand how he can walk around and feel like he's an actual human being with as much equivocation and lying and, and cognitive dissonance that has to be rolling around in that man's fat head. Let's, let, let's, let's attack the argument, not the man. His arguments are stupid too. <laughs> So, so going back to the the people who who you say have approached you and said I've got a message from God and blah blah blah, how do they respond when you say? I mean, when you when you instantly shoot that down and say, "No, you're absolutely wrong." I I, they, I, I walk through the, the the those are their answers. First, uh, I don't think God works that way. Oh, here it is in Scripture. It's the yeah. same thing. Yeah. Uh, well, I have the 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 code. Here it is. Just like was it chocolate milk yeah, milkshake over here? Yeah. yeah. Some you know, uh, and then they're like. God revealed to me you don't really have a code. You were just doing this to trick me, and you are de- beguiled by Satan. And they walk off, and I'm like, really? Really? Because I can show uh, it. I have it written down. Yeah. Anyway, um, and that's that's the typical pattern. So, And and how do you what, – what, what is your view of those people afterward? I mean, do you, do you view them as victims? Do you think they're entirely delusional? Are they – are they just rotten? I mean, what? How, how do you feel about those people individually when they when they come at you with those kinds of things? I need to be careful. Most of them are family. Uh, <laughs> they, they won't listen to this. <laughs> yeah, I doubt uh, any of them are going to be listening. Prob- to this probably true. I think that they, um, and this is going to go for the wider question of what do I think about Mormons in general. I think they are really earnest. They try so hard. If you most look, of my family is LDS, and they're great fucking people for the most part. You look at Provo on a Sunday, and that place is dead. They are trying <laughs> so yeah. hard to do everything that they are told. When it comes to leaders, that's a whole different question. But I, th- I think that they're just genuinely trying to help. They really want my best well-being, and they're just misdirected on how to do it. So my anger is all in, uh, directed towards people who take dollars uh, by misdirecting people and and like 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 Tapir Dan as as you were saying Dan yeah he got a lot of money um, although he'll say it wasn't a lot of money but well he yeah because they're not horses they're ta- it's it's the four Tapir writers of the apocalypse. apocalypse yes <laughs> uh, we actually have the true sign of the Tapir that uh, on Reddit 
that you make. I forget how to do it, but it's got a little snouty thing, and you back and forth. Anyway, um, so people like that, and, and it's why I never joined Fair. I actually submitted uh, and sent some corrections, and they never got back to me. I went to Mormon Think, which was a big website back yeah. then, and I submitted corrections, and they were changed in the same day. And it was I was sending. Uh, pro LDS, like you've got this wrong. Here's my sources, and they could change it within 24 hours. Fair never never changed it. Um, and isn't that interesting? Everybody views Mormon Think as an anti LDS resource, yeah. and it's pretty telling that you, as a believing Mormon, would send them something and cite your sources, and they would change it the same day. Yeah, uh, it was. But you it can send something to Fair and pr- and provide your sources. And you hear nothing. Nothing. Uh, fun fun story about Fair. There's a, a guy by the name of John Sorensen. He's a, a lot of the early contributions are his. He's really big. You'll find if you Google him tons. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wrote a word print study. I should have said this back in the things that, that led me out. Uh, he did a word print study where we, they did statistics on – um, words in the Book of Mormon and came up that it had multiple authors. And I was at BYU when this was being done in the statistics department. So I got to run some of the numbers. I was, uh. I mean, here was confirmation. Multiple yeah. authors, it couldn't be Joseph, right? <laughs> I was so stoked. And uh, and when I was doing my, my research, I ran across Craig Criddle and he did a word print analysis uh, as well, where he came up with that Spalding was the most likely author. Now, this has been revised since. And if you don't know the Spalding-Rigdon theory, we won't get into it. It's not a big deal. But I wrote a letter. Where Joseph basically took uh, Rigdon's work and claimed it as his own. Is yeah. That, okay. And on my, my website, I've got a, uh, a Spalding-Rigdon timeline where I go through okay. Sydney's journal and show the big missing points where he's next to where Joseph is and all the eyewitnesses. Turns out there's 21 eyewitnesses that say uh, that, that – Rigdon was working on Spalding's work or that they saw Joseph and Rigdon together or whatever, which is way more than the 11 witnesses for the Book of Mormon. I'm just going to point that out. Uh, But I don't don't know that we we should go into the theory too much. But uh, but if you want to go look at it, you can. Um, What was I saying? Darn it. Oh, uh, so I I wrote a letter to Craig Criddle and I said – I really am fascinated with your work. I do statistics. This is my my day job. I'd love you to did you consider da 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 da. And he wrote back and we had this long conversation back and forth about different possibilities and who Samuel Lawrence was and how he knew about Nephite interpreters when no one else did and and there's all these little cool facts of 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 uh bits and it was a great conversation. So I also went to fair and I looked at the paper John Sorensen was dead by this point so I couldn't write him. But uh, he did have two non-Mormons who had verified his work. I was like, well, we've we got to get both sides, right? That's how – that's the legitimate way to do yeah. this. So I called them up. I actually found their names and numbers. Online. I stalked them. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, and and uh, one of them was the secretary who typed it. She had no idea what was in the paper. She just did corrections. Yeah. And the other one said that um, she was the the – oh, I've got to pull up the email to remember exactly. But anyway, she was not connected to it at all. She's like, I have nothing to do with that. I don't know why he put me on the paper. And I'm like, this is the the level that gets published on one side. Yeah. Versus they had the statistics. They talked about the flaws in the paper. It passed peer review. And then they were applying – the reason they were doing this was not to disprove the Book of Mormon. They were doing this to find out who the authors of the Federalist Papers were. And this was their test case. They just kind of threw it in there to see what would come out and whether the numbers even made sense. And it came out like, hmm, Spalding, that's interesting. <laughs> and then they went to go do their, their other thing. And this has turned into a fight back and forth. They've published another couple of times back on it. And the fairy guys are like, oh, there's all these problems with – well, um, we have this group that I'm part of called WordTree 
where we uh, – it's a big data set and they take uh, – thousands of works done in the 1800s and they ran an analysis of the Book of Mormon against all of them. And Spalding doesn't turn out after you put the whole work against the whole work, it doesn't match terribly highly. Okay. But there are two that do. <laughs> <laughs> One of them is called The First Book of Napoleon and huh. really weird. It was written by a 14-year-old and it was written long before Joseph Smith and it was written in like 60 days and it sounds an awful lot like the Book of Mormon story, um, but it was written. Um, is it about Napoleon? It is about Napoleon, and is all in scriptural language, huh. and it has words like stripling warriors, and and just and, and the way we did it because there was a complaint on the the we. I'm sorry, Dwayne. The way Dwayne did it, uh, <laughs> that I have been added after the fact and I simply know about. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to take credit for anyone. Um, so the way that they did it was they they uh, looked at engrams, which is word couplets, to see matches. And you can go into Google and type in – there's a trends and an engrams function on Google and look at, at phrases that are unusual. And something like curious workmanship, you don't see that in a lot of, of books today. That would stand out. You'd, if someone said that, you'd be like, mm, that person's probably a Mormon who authored that, right? <laughs> Turns out curious workmanship is really common in the 1800s. Okay. Everyone's using it everywhere, and it means assembled on location without hands or without tools. Huh. So uh, it actually has a definition when Joseph Smith's using it, and it was a Masonic term. Very fascinating to find that in the middle of the Book of Mormon. Kind of says that it was an 1800s work. Right? Yeah. Um, so you get that sort of uh, f groups of four words that are really unusual. Things like um, – I'm trying to come up with Stripling Warriors is the easy one because uh, it, 2,000 Stripling Warriors – there are 2,000 Stripling Warriors in – I forget if it's the late war or the first book of Napoleon. I think it's the late war. And that's the other book that. And I was going to say, I think I've heard of the late war as being yeah. another one that 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 is comparable to the Book of Mormon, and and that Joseph Smith may have lifted a lot of the terminology from. And, and he, it was a common school text. It was easy for him to get a hold of. And here you have uh, not quite the statistical significance where we would like nail it down and be like, we know that this is the source. Hmm. But boy, does it stand out. Well, is is there any talk? Does he ever talk about in any of his writings about liking Napoleon or about reading Napoleon or neither of those? He talks about a lot of books, but uh, but neither of these show up in in his huh. thing. Uh, Emanuel Swedenborg had a whole book about the mystical. He actually talks about how great Emanuel Swedenborg is. So we do get some of that with him, but, okay. but neither of these books. These were completely unknown, never talked about in Mormon history until they ran this. They show up. And it just – it jumps out huh. in the data. You're like, wow, that's really high yeah. quotes. And, and to do a comparison, when I say it's not statistically significant, right? Uh, imagine what, – what's a good phrase? Oh, I, I, I did a little spiel the other day when uh, Ivanka Trump gave uh, Obama's – Michelle Obama's yeah. speech and I just took – Oh, Melania. Yeah. Melania yeah, Trump. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, when Melania Trump took uh, Michelle Obama's speech and I just took the Fair Mormon page uh, against the Word Tree guys and the first book of Napoleon and the late war and replaced it with Michelle Obama and, and, and I didn't change anything else but Michelle Obama uh, – what was her Melania. name again? Melania. Melania Trump. 
with with those two sources and just published it and it's up on the the wordtree.org blog now um but it it turns out really funny because you oh we can't tell because there aren't enough phrases that are similar look there's only and then i have like this long thing and it's the same length as the same sorry i moved away from the mic I'm getting excited <laughs> and animated here uh, but the the things are all the same length from the the speeches as they were in the book of mormon matching uh, these two sources. So if you can look at, at Mrs. Trump's speech and Michelle Obama's and say, I think someone lifted something here. Uh-huh. This is way more significant than that. I mean, there is way more <laughs> phrases that match in more places with yeah. the same concepts. So it's, uh, uh, and yet they, they will totally say, no, no, it's, it's not significant. And like, well, I think it's pretty it's, transparent. It's more than a coincidence. I would, I, if you had to bet, you know, if, if someone held a gun to your head, I would put my money on here way before I would put it on. There were actual gold plates written yeah. in a reformed Egyptian that were carried for a thousand years and didn't warp, twist, or bend that weighed 60 pounds with gold on the bottom that didn't crumple and lose what was being written on it. That just seems unlikely. <laughs> yeah, and gold, you know, it's a very strong, sturdy metal. No, it's no, not. No, no, not at all. It's a very malleable. So my last question for you would be, if you had to point to, if you wanted to point to one thing, one teaching, one particular bit of history, anything like that within the LDS church to say the church is false and here is why, what would you point to? Yeah, one. Jeez, the uh, the biggest one, the one that stands out the most, the one that is just so blatantly obvious that everybody and and their dog should should look at it and go, oh wow, I can't believe that I would buy into all the rest of this bullshit. Wow, that is really tough to to be. So <laughs> I do a series, and it's going to come out as a book called "The ABCs of Science and Mormonism." Oh, and it's all science and all history. We don't go into any anti-Mormon treatises. We don't go into any. Um, we just take what is claimed in the book and apply science. And I, th- oh, okay. my personal favorite. I don't know that it's the strongest, but it's my personal favorite is the brass plates. We talked about this a little before yeah. we got started. Yeah. Um, so I think of all the reasons you would write on gold and brass is the opposite of all of those. It's not malleable. It's hard to write on. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one writes on brass plates until after Jesus is dead. I believe uh, it's lighter than gold also, right? As far as weight. It's about half the volume, weight right. of, of gold. Uh, Josephus talks about writing into brass with a, uh, a diamond stylus. And that was a newfangled thing then. That's kind of our first moment where someone would write on brass. And these brass plates are supposed to contain the five books of Moses. Now, there's all sorts of problems with that because the five books of Moses were not books. Books were not created. They were all scrolls up yeah. until hundreds of years after Nephi leaves. Uh, if you take uh, – they weren't assembled into a Torah. They weren't the five books of Moses yet. They were individual scrolls at this period. So you have – an anachronism in that it's a book. You have an anachronism in what is in the book. Then you have the weight of the thing. Yeah. And uh, it had to be – so you just take the scriptures, right, all the way up to Jeremiah, which is what it says. And that would be about 1,060-ish pages. And you make that out of brass. And even in English, we are talking a significant weight. But then you have to put it not in Hebrew, which would be even bulkier, 
but it mm. actually says they were written in Egyptian. So you've got to go to, uh, yeah. not Coptic, uh, the one starts with a D. Um, it's the, it's the Egyptian of the period anyway. Mm. And it's this really long written script and you end up with this giant tome of brass. Now, even today, if we were to take jewelry grade glass and we were to etch it with, uh, the acid method that didn't exist until about a hundred BC with yeah. the first mention, right? That's 500 years off. That's like, uh, Christopher Columbus rocking out <laughs> to Katy Perry on his iPod <laughs> shuffle as far as anachronisms go. And he, he meant he could roar like a tiger when he got here, I guess. Um, but, uh, but you've got all of these anachronisms, all of these problems, but then Nephi picks this thing up and doing the weight as jewelry grade. It ends up, uh, just for the five books of Moses, it's roughly the size of a vending machine, about 500 pounds. And if you take it to the whole thing, which is Lehi's uh, genealogy and Zenus and Zenic, the prophets that no one knows or has heard of anywhere else that are in this, uh, and you take it all the way to Jeremiah, which it specifically states they had the prophets all the way up to Jeremiah, this thing weighs as much as a Volkswagen. I just want you to picture in the text, for those of you who are did not have the pleasure of growing up LDS, <laughs> he, he, go, he puts on clothing. He cuts off the head of the local governor, puts on that guy's clothing without anyone noticing the blood, asks to borrow this record that would be the ultimately – I mean, Indiana Jones would kill for this artifact. It would rewrite everything we know about history, bookmaking, yeah. the, the assembly of, of the records and, and writing on this metal because brass wasn't a thing that it was bronze. Uh, and there's a whole discussion about that as well. Cause, um, and, and then he takes this and he meets his brothers outside the wall carrying it. It's, he'd have to have a Volkswagen on his back. <laughs> and then the servant realizes that this is not the leader in the clothing, but this is some young kid. There's a whole question about that as well. Maybe he, <laughs> maybe he did impersonations of him when he was younger. He had a good beard. He had a, a good beard. Age. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I told you it'll take you places, man. <laughs> you know, and none of the LDS drawings, they never give Nephi a beard. Oh. Once. Anyway. Bad uh, beard. So he, he, he drops this record, this ultimately precious object. It's like dropping the hope diamond <laughs> that weighs the size of a Volkswagen and leaps on the servant, grabs him, and then they haul this thing for three days out in the wilderness and then proceed to carry it with them eight years in the wilderness, then put it on a boat. This boat has to carry a Volkswagen yeah. to the new world. It becomes just ridiculous. It is such a huge and obvious, and it's right at the beginning of the Book of Mormon. It's within the first five chapters, first maybe 20 pages, and you have this glaring anachronism that it seems like everyone missed, but I just sat there scratching my head going, could this even exist? And I have to say at that point, I think we have a pretty good solid case. No, (laughs) no, someone made something up here. Well, with God, you can do anything. That includes... Taking a Volkswagen onto your back for eight years and carrying it across the ocean. Because he's a dick. Because yeah. he'd make you do that. He would. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of, one of the things that, that does it for me or that did it for me that, that I still think is brilliant. Uh, and, and it, and it's probably because it's something that I noticed early on, even when I was in church. You know, I, I always wondered why when people pray, they use thee and thine and thou and, all of these old timey words as yeah. if as if Jesus or God would not understand modern language, right? But one of the one of the arguments that I thought was brilliant that Richard Dawkins actually pointed out was that you have a nineteenth century prophet who is translating supposedly translating these ancient texts, and instead of doing what 
interpreters or translators normally do, which is translating into the language of their time, the language that they speak every day, you have a 19th century prophet, seer, and revelator translating, quote-unquote, into 17th century English, you know, which is just that, – that makes absolutely no sense to me at all. Why the hell would somebody who is translating something translate into a language, into a language form that is 200 years old? For those of you at, at that home time. who don't know what an 1800s person sounded like, go watch Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> Anything she did, that's how they talked. Mr. Darcy did not say, what ho, dear Elizabeth? <laughs> Behold, my horse hath thrown a shoe. It's it, – it, it, yeah. It, yeah that, and, and like I say, that that's one of the arguments that I hear that I'm like, holy shit, why didn't I think of that? Especially in light of me having these questions for so long about, why do I have to say thee and thine and thou? And yeah. that's, that's dumb. I don't understand that. But when I heard Richard Dawkins say that, I was like, oh, right. That is bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. That in the 19th century, a man called Joseph Smith dug up some golden tablets, (laughs) which he he translated and then conveniently lost, (laughs) and translated, moreover, although... A 19th century man translated them into 17th century English. What is the probability that Yahweh is the one true God in Amun-Ra, Aphrodite, Apollo, Baal, Brahman, Ganesha, Isis, Mithras, Osiris, Shiva, Thor, Vishnu, Wanton, Zeus, and the other 986 gods are all false gods? You guys are atheists, just like me, of all the gods I just rattled off. Some of us just go one god further. If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at Podcast. Thanks, bitches. Let's go with, if I can, one more that is a modern to show that – because the next thing people say is, well, I don't really care about history. It's a good religion. Mm. I had a coworker who said this just a little while ago, and I really wanted to chomp it, but I let it go because we'd had a really good conversation about history. <laughs> and I care more about history. But uh, So this is recent. It's 2008. Right. What happened in 2008? Everybody, person in the back of the classroom. That's right. We had the crisis with the uh, the, the credit default swaps and the banks all fell. Mm-hmm. What you did – and we bailed them out. And you remember how mad you were? Do you remember how mad you were when they bailed out those banks? Well, it turns out the church bailed out too. There's a little company by the name of Beneficial Life. And it does life insurance for the top dogs of the church, and that's all they do. So general authority and above. If their wives die, they get half a million dollars, and if they die, their wives get a couple million dollars. And this is all – Because, of course, the wives aren't worth nearly as much yeah. as the husbands. No, so. that's, that's true of my planet where I work too. I don't know. I'm, we still have to fix some things. But uh, um, so they – uh, they had invested, you know, these prophets, seers, and revelators had this for-profit company, and they had invested all of this money that had been paid into the life insurance in 
credit default swaps ah. because that was where to make the money. And they could see that these were great investments with their seer stones and or profitability <laughs> Yeah, uh, that didn't turn out so profitable. Um, so they ended up losing their, their shirt basically. And they be- bailed out the uh, beneficial life company with tithing dollars. So remember how it's supposed to go to build buildings and temples yeah. and keep the lights on. It also bails out for profit industries whenever the church needs it. And I have a timeline again on exploring Mormonism of tithing bailouts because it's been doing that from Joseph Smith all the way to today. They will use that as their own little purse whenever they need to. Whenever it suits Which, them. Yeah. yeah. And, and no, that's that's not honest. That's not a good organization. Yeah. That's not what we sign up for. Now, if they were honest, they're like, yeah, we use tithing funds sometimes to pay out giant life insurance policies to ourselves and people still signed up. That's fine. That sort of deception level of like, oh, it's only for buildings. We do the best thing. There is a, a ward member. Sorry, I'm going to ramble for a second. Please do. Uh, a, a ward member who uh, gave a talk on how we shouldn't contribute to um, the Fur- Red Cross or the uh, the Utah Food Bank. We should only give money to fast offering and to the church because we know it makes it to the people who need it most. Oh. The Utah Food Bank is ran by the LDS Church. I <laughs> so the uh uh and and it was just painful because of course it doesn't it does you have no visibility yeah right charitywatch.org anything with a b and above you could probably contribute to and and feel really good about yourself and and the LDS church if it were on there wouldn't make an f right yeah it's it's just terrible so that's uh uh it's really well, hard for me when people say this is a good organization. No, if they are stealing and lying and using that money for personal gain, we've left good. Yeah, yeah I had my one of my old bosses who is very LDS and, and is a nice guy, um, but I think has just been completely duped by – and he's really brilliant, which is what kills me. So I think he's just completely duped by the church. Uh, he, he sent me a friend request on Facebook. I don't know. It's probably been seven or eight months ago now. And it was probably three or four months ago that kind of out of the blue, I got a message from him on Facebook. He didn't post on my wall or anything. Of course, it was a private message that he sent to me. And he said, hey, hey, buddy, what's going on? I know, you know, that you don't really have the highest opinion of the LDS church, <laughs> but I wondered if you had seen this article. And he, he gave me a link to an article about the church donating $25 million yeah. or something for – Haiti or it was it was some other foreign country where they were helping because of some humanitarian need and and he's like, you know, twenty five million dollars, that's a whole lot of money and I and I instantly shot back and I'm like, Well, yeah, but when you look at the overall rake that they take from their tithings, this is, you know, point zero zero one percent of their annual yeah. Amount that they receive only from ti- only from tithing, not from any of their financial properties, not from any of their investments, only from tithing. And it's less than one one thousandth of one percent. And I'm supposed to think that that is great and wonderful. Sure, it's good that they're helping people, but they could do a hell of a lot more. So thanks for sending me the article, but I should point these things out to yeah. you so that you don't go around thinking that your church is making this huge sacrifice and donating $25 million out of its billions of dollars that it has in in holdings and, and liquid assets. For those of you at home with calculators, that's $9 per member per year. <laughs> and I'd actually had an argument with a guy at work a couple of years back about this kind of situation because he was saying – it's best to donate to like the Catholic Church or the religious organization because there's no. always they're always the first ones to get, get in there and help people during a natural disaster. So I'm like bullshit. 
I'm like, let's look this up. And you go, I'm, I'm going to use something called facts. <laughs> These may be foreign to you. Let me explain. <laughs> Do you know what a fact is? So I get on the internet and I start looking. I look up, I look up for timelines for when different organizations and when like responses were got to like Haiti and all these natural disasters. And I'm like, oh well. I see first the local military showed up and the navies, then like European countries showed up, then the American military and stuff showed up, all this aid showed up. I'm like, wow, the last ones to show up always are the religious organizations. <laughs> they're the last ones in. It doesn't sound. Oh, yeah. so they're always the first ones there to help. I'm like, according to this, they're always the last motherfuckers there to show up to do anything. And they pass out Bibles instead yeah, of Yeah, and that's what yeah. I point out to them. Yeah. Like, oh, and here is exactly what the Catholic Church donated. And I think it was the Haiti one. Like, oh, 20,000 rosaries, 10,000 Bibles, 100 sheets. Yeah, that ought to feed and clothe me and give me shelter for the next foreseeable period. But yeah. we're not saving their lives. We're saving their souls. Which yeah. is so much more important in the grand scheme of things. We're talking about eternity. Just like karma at Reddit. It may... <laughs> and the reason why their Bibles and rosaries and blankets are probably the last things to get there is because they're the least needed things to fucking right. show up. It's a sales pitch that's coming after the people get that are actually surviving. It is. Yeah. And that's. And then when they argue, say, <sighs> well, they build schools and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, no, they build churches where they have their own missionaries show up and teach them their religion. Yeah. That's not the same as having a school where you're actually learning facts where you're learning math and science it's a religious and history school. It says and... school right there ryan come yeah. on <laughs> <laughs> or the other one i've been i've been seeing there well i don't know how i feel about this though there's groups that do uh like textile stuff where they instead of having it built in like a factory over in china or india they have villages over like africa or in small communities that build clothes and they sell the clothes in the u.s and the people get a little bit of chunk of the profit now the people in the u.s running these companies are making a hell of a fucking lot of money off of these people yeah, uh -huh. and, but, you, and you're not sure how you feel about this well but the <laughs> reason why i say that because because these people are making money more money than they would normally and a lot of times they're reinvesting uh -huh. back in these communities and actually building schools and building homes that aren't affiliated with any religions like no here's a place where you go to school we've we're upgraded try to your get... mud we've upgraded you from a mud hut to a wood hut i mean pretty much but they're giving <laughs> these people amenities they wouldn't have been able to get any other way and they are investing a lot of money back to them but it's kind of like well you're kind of using these people for their cheap labor and Slave using labor, it as, yeah. while you're making millions it's so american it hurts <sighs> but at the same time if these people weren't doing it they might not have had the opportunity to actually be able to, you know, have a steady job making something, doing something they like, and be able to actually. How very wide of them! And if we hadn't, <sighs> if we hadn't fed and clothed and given shelter to all of those slaves, just imagine how horrible their lives would have been. Well, but yeah. we're not taking them here. These are people that already do this. It's it's like they're making like their local garments they normally make anyways, but they're yeah. selling them in small shops in America. Mm. Now, now, in defense of Mormons, and I, d I do need to step in. I had a boss who served his mission in Haiti when the, the whole. Hurricane came yeah. through. He got together his old mission buddies. They got their own money and they flew there and they worked darn hard for people that they knew that had been impacted to, to fix things. The people are good. It's just the organization that's a problem. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's well. I think I think that's where people get us atheists wrong a lot of times. It's like we're not attacking you. We're not attacking the actual physical theist. We're yeah, we're attacking your belief, but. We're attacking more the the system behind which you get your beliefs from because it's horseshit. It's horseshit. <laughs> damaging. It hurts other people. 
And sometimes it makes you think shitty things and, and it do hurts shitty you. things you're other a, people. You're a victim and, of this without even realizing it. You have ultimate Stockholm syndrome going on here. Like that crazy Christian that I've commented about a few times. Uh-huh. Uh, he had this long rant on Facebook yesterday. I was just going through it. I'm like, you are fucking more nuts <laughs> than I thought you were. He, he was going off on how people thought he was – he made a comment about The Walking Dead and how you can't watch it anymore because it's too political and too liberal – and I, I, I know it was crazy what? to start with. Yeah, I know. I, I told you this guy's crazy. Zombie <laughs> love is forbidden. But then people started going after him on it, like, "Hey, but you do this and this and this and this is this. you're doing the same thing. You're being hypocritical." And then he starts going into, "Well, you are all just racist. You're just you're just attacking me now because I'm Asian and I'm a Christian." And people are like, "No, I'm a Christian too." Like, "No, you're not. You're not a Christian. If you were a Christian, you wouldn't be doing this to me right now." There's no true Asians. And then he just starts <laughs> quoting crazy scriptures throughout the whole thing. And it's like, wow, dude, you you need help. Someone like, has real, damaged you. Real help. And at that point, it's, mentally, yeah, there, there's no getting through to people like that. No. Pigeons on chessboards. So, so you've got your website, and that yeah. is? ExploringMormonism.com. Um, I mean, it's all informational. There's not a lot. There's a great section called... GA bullshit. It's anytime a leader of the church was caught lying from the ah. pulpit and in conference. Uh, we've got a section, we've got seminary lessons for the young ones if they want to finish their seminary and learn what was li- they were lied to that day. <laughs> uh, I was keeping up with that pretty good this year. I've, I've fallen off a little bit. Um, what's another just good solid? Uh, oh, and one of my favorites, we did a, I actually paid for this one, so please go watch the video. Uh, if uh, which superhero was God the most like? Is he like Peter Parker, oh. who is like uh, uh, with great power comes great responsibility? Is he like Batman? Does he does he wreak justice in the night? And I come to the conclusion that he's most like Magneto, that he threatens <laughs> the hell out of you, and he will crush anyone except for those who are his ideological followers, even people like him. He will stomp into the ground to get what he wants. And we actually got an Ian McKellen uh, voiceover. Doing Third Nephi, where Jesus is destroying whole cities in the <laughs> voice of Magneto awesome. with video. So <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's quite good. You should uh, please enjoy the site. It's just there to learn from. It yeah. is, I don't make any money in any sort. I've as far as so this is a, a common claim of the apologists that people write these books or do these things to make money. I have made a total of a hundred dollars in lunches and drinks that people have bought me. Uh, in my entire time of since 2007, I was going to well, say I think when years? we spoke, three, you are rolling two in the and dough. a half, three ish years ago that it was I think you were said seventy dollars or something like yeah, that. So, so thirty bucks in the last seven years, yeah, great. Yeah. yeah, I just no, no one makes money at this except for maybe Michael Quinn because he makes whole books. Um, but it's uh, the the apologists on the other side they get giant checks contributed every time they publish. Oh, so, I'm sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, don't forget those rewards in heaven. And yes. Re- <laughs> and fake internet points. It's Extra the same. cookies. <laughs> and then I think you mentioned that you have a book coming yeah. out sometime in the future. Yeah. Uh, so I've got two two publishers that have just – anytime I get a book done, they're willing to publish it. I've got two books that are – one that is ready to go, but I want to add 
uh, a section that's called I Should Start a Cult. Uh, <laughs> and it's got a picture of the cat with a newspaper on the front. And it is all about how do you can, can, can start your very own cult. Uh, and, and it is not Mormon specific in any way, shape or form. But I'm sure there are lots of people who will be very offended and think I'm talking just about them. Uh, <laughs> and it has – I want to add – this is why it hasn't been published yet. I want to add a uh, your own example cult of the uh, the, the shitheads. And their cult is that the less you poop, the more holy you are <laughs> and how to get people to get to join in and, and believe this nonsense. And then the other one is called the ABCs of Science and Mormonism. And it will – it's uh, – I have did a set of articles online. You can find those on the Reddit or on my blog. But they were really rough. And so we're going to polish them up. We're going to add pictures. And I also want to do a children's book. So when mm. your Mormon relation gives your kid that ideal little Nephi was a, a brilliant person too, or Joe, we can all believe Joseph Smith book from Deseret book, you can just turn around and hand them the ABCs of science and Mormonism. And uh, B is for brass that we kind of went over that, that section uh, on here. It's got more in the book, but that's in uh, the children's book will be a really pared down version of uh, Nephi carrying a Volkswagen size brass plate so are these going to be out in 2017 i'm trying i'm trying i'm trying i'm trying it's probably it's probably going to be 2018 beginning okay so that's that's what i'm shooting for well whenever they do come out we would be happy to have you back on the show to help promote brilliant we'll still be around yeah let us know what we can do to help thank you so much for coming out this evening man it's been a pleasure having you on the show glad to be here if you have another weird topic you ever want to talk about (laughs) i am happy to provide context (laughs) i mean i learned a lot tonight (laughs) <laughs> really, I did. I'm not joking there. I'm like, I've never heard half of these stories. <laughs> and yet, how many, were you in the church? Did no, you know? I wasn't. I never even knew about Mormonism until I came here to Utah. So, Dan, how many years were you in the church? I was a member, well, I was in the church, I mean, up until I removed my name from the records three or four years ago. I mean, I wasn't regularly attending. I stopped regularly attending just after I was baptized. Okay. So uh, I've I've had 35-year-olds, you know, three and a half decades in the church, born, raised, went on missions who say the same thing. I've never heard any of this before. So it's it's... (laughs) – I I met a guy at the the Provo Pride Festival in his 50s who said that he had just recently lost – or just recently left the church, uh, had been serving as a stake president – and had just recently left the church and was there at the Ogden or the Provo Pride Festival. Very cool. Very so cool. It happens at all yeah. ages and stages of life, man. So yeah. once again, though, thank you so yeah. much for coming on. Glad to do it. And we will be sure to have you back in the future when, when your books come out so we can help get those promoted. And until we chat at you all next week, uh-huh. be good, be nice, be fine, be happy. And hopefully we're not. We're not in living a in, a, war. In, a, in a post-apocalyptic, <laughs> in a post-apocalyptic hellscape after Donald Trump yeah. has assumed the presidency. So, yeah. huh. we'll find out tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, All thanks right, for cool. tuning in, everybody. Say goodbye, guys. Bye. Bye. How much is that book worth when the world ends? <laughs> Buck ninety five, unless you can get a bunch of fools to believe in it, and then <laughs> it's priceless. <laughs> Yes! 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 <laughs> Should we have a moment of silence?
You probably wonder what the hell. That's just so I can, that's so I have something where I can clear up any of the I electrostatic. Gotcha. I got gotcha. you. I was like, wow, very religious atheist. I'm, I'm good. This is not what I expected. Thank you for the food. Strengthen and nourishing. It's getting a little stuffy. This is in church here. stuff I've never even heard anybody talk about. No. <laughs> Yeah, we we try to produce a fairly cleanish sounding show because <laughs> <laughs> we are not clean. She said, "I say fuck every other word," and I'm like, "No, I don't." It depends on what we're talking about, though, because sometimes we can get pretty sweary. Oh fuck! No, I fucking don't. That's fucking crazy. <laughs>